and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. My name is Ben Hanson, and I'm not alone. I'm joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hello. Haley McLean. Hello. And that's proof that I'm not alone, but it still goes on. Sarah Podzorski. Hello. Leo Vader. We're simmering to a boil, folks. Jeff Marchiafava. <laughs> that's me. Kelsey Lewin. Lewin? Sure. Janet Garcia sure, is also yeah. here. <laughs> It's me. And Jacob Geller. Hello. Is anybody else hiding behind the scenes? All right, this is this is a full house here. We have everybody because this is the grand finale of MinMax's Game of the Year debates, what we affectionately call the two tens. Uh, some would say it's the top 20 games of 2023. We like to call it the two tens in honor of the two ends. Um, if you missed last week's episode, What's Wrong With You? We built out a list of what we feel are the greatest games... Hang on, there's a freaking dog on this duck. Uh, the greatest games oh, of 2023. How'd that get there? How That's to weird. remind everyone about the true low, meaning of Game of the Year, which is a little low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we built it up, and then we whittled it down. We have locked in. These are the two tens, but as you can see from everybody looking at it, this is clearly the wrong order, because as you know in your heart of hearts, there is an objective correct order uh, for the top 20 games of the year, which is my opportunity to remind you, um, this is a purely subjective list. We're not going off the game industry at large. All we're going off of is our own collective passion. And again, I say it every time, you will disagree with this list, and that needs to be okay. <laughs> because every once in a while, <laughs> I feel bad for the people melting down in the comments. They're like, that's not how I would do it! It's like, yes, you are not the nine of us. I understand that. So thank you for being patient uh, for all this We can say stuff. it's the Final Fantasy 16 enjoyer. <laughs> I didn't want to point fingers. You could call them out by no, name. No, no, I'd also be no, upset they're so if I wasn't cool the and normal of us. about that game. <laughs> uh, we love all fans. I, I also do want to say if we get enough comments, we will change it. <laughs> yeah, if you if you hate us enough, you know. Well, yeah, it's it's not so much the volume as the passion of their arguments. Yeah. Right, um, that's what we're measuring here. It's all about the passion. Yeah. Should we um, do a Patreon tier for like if like some absorbent amount of money? Like you can yeah. you can reorder our absolutely. Yeah. We should. I pay. don't have any dignity. Yeah. Actually, Kyle, we do have that tier, and it's the oh. two dollar tier, y'all. Because if you're a supporter on Patreon, you can vote for the community hive minds two tens. We'll be sharing that on the next episode yep. of the podcast we can choose as far as the hive mind is concerned exactly what are truly the objective takes for the best games of the year so prove us wrong by jumping into the two dollar tier on patreon it's all we ask please uh here's the thing i asked is there anybody else on this call and maybe there is but only through text format because as you might remember uh this year i was at a commission for a couple of months on paternity leave and so we brought in jenna steber for those two months to help out with production. She did a great job. And we brought in Kyle Bossman, uh, formerly of Easy Allies, to host the podcast for one month. And so it's like, well, it's not fair to talk about 2023 and MinMax's takes on games in 2023 without giving them some tip of the cap somewhere. But obviously having 11 people on a call, it would it would break. It'd be unusable. But disqualifying a game that came out during that period might be good though oh that's an interesting point all right good tone to set things out for i love it uh (laughs) no so what we did is we reached out to jenna and kyle to be like hey this is our list for the two tens what what do we blow well what mistake did we make here um and so they each have an honorable mention so let's see honorable mention Mm. jenna steber i'm surprised we didn't mention this thirsty suitors 
says Jenna ah. Steber. She oh. says, what if instead of defeating your six evil exes, you are the evil ex they have banded together to defeat? Thirsty Suitors is a turn-based combat and skateboarding and cooking game with a killer soundtrack. The animation is elaborate and bonkers. Why pet the dog when you can have a secret handshake with a dog? And the emotional <laughs> core reminds us that acknowledging our mistakes is the first step to not repeating them. Um, developers of I, Thirsty Suitors, you can just copy and paste this and make it the Steam description uh, if you'd like. That's really good. Jenna's gonna do it better. I kind of thought you were reading the Steam description. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good of a writer Jenna, Jenna is. Yeah. I, I forgot how good petting the dog is in that game. It's like a high bar. If you're interested in that in a game, it's the best petting there is. Okay. Well, might I interest you, Leo, in Kyle Bossman's uh, honorable mention for uh, the 210s in 2023, Final Fantasy 16. A lot of dogs. Oh, he's one of the people in the comments. He's Oh, he's actually rallying everybody. So Kyle Bossman says, It comes to me as no surprise that MinMax's weekly towel washers would make a point to spitefully <laughs> snub Final Fantasy XVI in favor of many obviously inferior titles. It has better art direction than Octopath Traveler 2. It has better square pushing than Sea of Stars. It has stronger dialogue than Chia. The soundtrack is sublime, besting even Hitman Freelancer. <laughs> <laughs> Above all else, people forget this. There's just something really nice about riding a chocobo on an adventure. Also, there is no debate here. Simply better accents than Xenoblade 3 Future Redeemed. Kyle Bossman, ladies and gentlemen. I've never been more confident that that game has bad writing than to compare it to the writing of Chia, a game with almost no writing in it. There's like yeah, I noticed 20 you know, lines of dialogue. Compare- he didn't compare soundtracks of Octopath Traveler 2 or like... Yeah, it, this guy's hit him crazy. all the weak points. He knew what he was Cherry doing. Also, what he a coward. He wouldn't even he come knows. on this podcast to bro. defend it. Yeah, yeah, he sends little texts and runs away. A hero of the away. people. The Final Fantasy 16 fans will call him. <laughs> yeah. So brave. Uh, speaking of brave, uh, Leo said, uh, uh, actually, could I go back and say one more thing about a game oh, that yeah, I forgot that's... to say last week? <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, uh, Channel 1150 <laughs> in the backstage pass chat reminded me, so oh, I appreciate that. Friends versus Friends has a really cool, a lot of really cool cards in it. One of my favorites is Nuke. Uh, this is what I meant to say last time. Oh, yeah. Uh, you play the Nuke card, it detonates the map, and you're playing on a new map, which is dirt, rubble, and you're, you know, behind burned out buses and stuff. It's a totally new map. Did that a bunch of times, then eventually found out, you know, when I nuke, and then somebody else nuked, they also had the Nuke card. Suddenly, we're on a meteor in space, bouncing around in low gravity, shooting each other. And I haven't even done this, but I looked it up online. If you nuke more times, eventually it's just a gray box. Yes. <laughs> like design, <laughs> video game design level. Is that, uh, cool. is that how it works in real life? Is that what would happen? Yes. Way to find out. I do think there's a secret skybox out there, Jacob. I do think so. That's right. Many religions are based on a secret skybox in a lot of ways. <laughs> now that you think about you said it. that so seriously, Sarah. Like <laughs> uh, all right. That's what Smash Brothers is about. That's right. I mean, that's the subtle sort of, yeah. World yeah, no, Wonder. I think, uh, yeah, Mar- Mario Wonder friends versus friends swap. Yeah, let's do it. It's not too late. Uh, God, f- it's very one, fun. It's I've, very fun. We just only uh, started. The hot swaps. Yeah. Of the, I feel that's Jeffem's thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like Kyle's wrong. I feel like Mario Wonder should be probably at the top of this list. Uh, and I'm ready to yeah, be yeah, a yeah, hero people. All right. Number 20. <laughs> yeah, top if you look at it upside down. All right. Uh, this is the list from the bottom up. Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Future Redeemed. Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. Fire of Rubicon? Fires. Multiple fires. Okay. Shadow Gambit, The Cursed Crew. Venba, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, Cities Skylines 2, Octopath Traveler 2, Chance of Sonar, Lies of P, The Making of Karateka, Marvel, Spider-Man 2, Chia, 
Sea of Stars, Hi-Fi Rush, Day of the Diver, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Hitman, Freelancer. All right, let's let's do the old easy dividing line. Chuk-chunk, chuk-chunk. Separating the two tens. It's an easier distinction of what goes where, what feels like an upper ten, what feels like a lower ten. Some would call it the... Um, <laughs> crispy bubblers of the slam dunks <laughs> uh, if you'd be so bold uh jacob geller what looks off to you right now what what should be if you had to move something up or move something down i guess what direction would you take gosh um i think and i am saying this as one of the biggest fans of this game I think that Resident Evil 4 remake does not need to be at number five. I think yeah. it could be in a more modest spot on our two tens. What does that modesty look like to you as a super fan? Um, maybe 10, maybe like mm-hmm. 12, mm-hmm. Um, somewhere around there. Either the top of the second 10 or bottom of the first 10. I'm going to, yeah, let's slot it in at like number 11, let's say, um, for a rough... Slapshot placeholder for where Resident Evil 4 remake could go. Um, yeah, I mean, we brought, talked about it a little bit last week about like, well, remakes on the list. And Jacob, you were uh, quick to pounce on like, I mean, it's a remake, but there's so much new stuff in there that it's not exactly in the same league as as common remakes that appeared this year. Yeah, I think. I mean, look, Min Max had Resident Evil 2 remake as its game of the year. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I I think it is. You know it. it Everything that it does, it does exceptionally well. Um, it is Ben. I remember you saying, "Like, why? Why aren't there more games that are just like good the whole way through?" <laughs> I mean, yes, I think about that a lot with Resident Evil Four Remake. I know we did the deepest dive on it, but I feel like I was screaming it the whole time, just like, "What is so magical about this game's formula that other games can't get in the flow of?" And the original, and also this, just has such a satisfying. I don't know, gameplay loop. Just every bit of combat, every little puzzle building up, just fueling the next moment to moment. Like, the way when I think of Resident Evil 4 Remake, it's like, I was thinking about this morning in terms of just, when you look at the games of 2023, and if you're trying to recommend a game, it's like, well, if you've never played Resident Evil 4, like, Resident Evil 4 Remake, it's tough to say, you will have a good time playing this game. You will have a blast playing the Resident Evil 4 remake. You know, it's like, it is the most easy recommendation, I feel like, out of every list here if you've never played that original. It's just a freaking blast to go through. And I think if, about, like, if what you they like added. survival horror games, you will like it. I, I sure. feel like saying you would recommend it to anybody Any as child? your first go to game. Yeah. I don't know, but I think about know. what they added, like the double chainsaw grannies. What a top moment when Leon does a black, like he's a little backflip with the double chainsaw grannies. The entire like Luis co-op minecart ride. Yeah. I really, I, I mean, I'm fine with it being like lower, but like, let's give this game its due. The only thing that I didn't like was they took out the tri-corner hat from that one guy. And that was unforgivable for me personally. But other than that, I think they really just, just knocked it out with like just making it better. Yeah. No, what are you buying anymore too, right? Aren't we missing that? No, what are you buying? Bunch of stupid um, lines instead. Yeah. Oh my back and Sorry, all that crap. Yeah. <laughs> I I think you know and and something the tri corner hat notwithstanding, it's like maintaining the goofiness <laughs> of the 2005 game is really great, and I'm so glad that they did it. You know the fact that Leon still says, "Where's everyone going?" Bingo. The yeah. fact that they gave him 
they gave him new one-liners that feel like they should be in the original game. There's a thing where Leon kills a bunch of knights in shining armor, and then he says, nighty night knights, and that's a mm-hmm. new line, but it feels like it was like from the original line? game. Yeah, no, it is unbelievable. There's something that, like, something about them upping the fidelity to such a ridiculous degree. This game looks so good. I mean, like, the first environment you go into, that first house, like, just the amount of detail they're packing into mm-hmm. every little environment like that, that it, having that level of fidelity makes it more of a comedy. <laughs> Because if you're making everything look that exquisite, at the same time, Leon is just the silliest mf in the world playing it straight, it just becomes that much funnier when he's shooting an old woman in the face and going, like, next? Like, cows are being set on fire, like, running through the field while right. you're being chased down by, like, Los Plagas. Like, it really is, you know, one of the best remakes of the year, but definitely one of the better games of the year, even though it's still a remake. Yeah, yeah. I, I also realized we forgot the best moment um, when he gets into the boat and he tries oh, to yeah. start it, and he goes, "Come on, you fill up the gas tank." <laughs> when it's empty. I did love that. Yeah. Shout out as well to the ending when he says, "I'll give you a holy body." <laughs> like all of his That's so really good. lines, it works on it's unbelievable. Levels. But yeah, like having yeah, twists on the formula for a game that everyone's played a lot, like the original Resident Evil Four, like for the super fans of Jacob Geller to be like, "What do you mean going in the bell tower isn't the easy way just to cheese that opening village?" It's going to collapse underneath you. Or just them just adding new stuff like the big old bull boys are always just breathing heavily and charging at you with their weird bull heads and all that stuff. Uh, that Like the Ashley sequence with the knights, like that entire yeah. environment I mean, is so scary. fun and scary as hell. Ashley's, Ashley's character, like the fact that they made Ashley, uh, you know, a better so bearable. character and kind so of... So bearable! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, she's getting there. Um, I <laughs> also think... <laughs> The uh, the bonus modes in the game are incredibly fun. I brought up the the DLC last week because yeah. I do think you know it's like it is DLC. It was ten dollars. The amount of stuff you get for ten dollars that like basically puts back the couple favorite moments of the game that were not in the remake. Like right. now we have the laser hallway again, and we have the, the no hat, like though. it fight and stuff. No hat, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and the I'm really upset about that no hat the mercenaries mode is like the most fun arcade mode in a game i think like if you want just like you know the kind of like this isn't part of the game this is just a score attack nothing is better than the mercenaries and that was in the original as well but like i'm so glad that it's still here they didn't make you pay for it extra like it's you know it is an extraordinarily generous game yeah Mm -hmm. i i I Maybe get it should be number one. Honestly, Maybe we should move it up to ten. There's, there's something then about. We should take a look at what's in spot ten. I, look, I'll I'll hear that argument for sure. Um, I'll move it up to ten. There's something about that idea of like, I'll it is a remake. It is dinged a little bit naturally because mm-hmm. of that. Like, it's nice to celebrate uh, new stuff. Uh, but at the same time, it's like it's a game that most of us, if not all of us, played, and we all had a blast playing it. Like, I don't want to discredit Resident Evil Four remake just because. Well, you know. 80% of it is stuff we experienced back in 2005. And they made Leon so hot. Like, what, yeah. what did we do to deserve this? We There's that chain scene. Yeah. God, that was such a good, good scene! scene. <laughs> uh, Sarah, I was going through the best of uh, for MinMax and finding a bunch of clips from the Deepest Dive and stuff, and I forgot about you talking about how you'd want to be as sick as Ashley gets in that game just so Leon will hold your hand when you're on the operating table. Yes! Because <laughs> you're just riveted by a laser on a table trying to get less bloggers on you. Uh, Resident Evil 4 remake. Um, I, I feel 
I feel like lower lower top ten is is a I worthy. I personally stunt. think you could move it up two more slots. I you know what? Pfft, wasn't or my Sorry, Haley. I mean, twist Anyone my else? arm. Twist yeah. my arm. All right. All right. So okay. Yeah. yeah, with this group, I see it. We can see but it. we but we stand sea of stars being above it. I I will say that's about where I would the maximum yeah. I would lift it up. Personally, you would not put RE4 of Sea of Stars. No. And why is that, Haley? Sea of Stars is rad, and I yeah. liked it more. <laughs> yeah, no, that 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 seems fair. That seems Game fair. Over. I mean, like I, Resident Evil Four holds a special place for me because uh, my partner made me play it. That sounds like he's mean, but in a loving way, he made me play it. So I went into <laughs> it being like, I won't like this, and I was like, this is one of the best video games of all time. Like, it's just one of those games you play. You're like, okay, you got me. Like, I can't even be better. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> and then it's also like, and then. All this time later, and it's the best remake of all time, too. It's like, pick a lane. Like, stop with the Ws. Like, calm down. Like, it, it, you truly can't... You can't fight it. Like, you just know it's a good game, even if it's not your thing. Which, it wasn't my thing, and I still know it's, like, one of the best games I've ever played. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How do we feel about Sea of Stars? I know Kyle and Haley are the, are the champions here. Where are you guys feeling is a good spot for that sucker? What do you think, Kyle? I mean, I'm in a position where I would move... Sea of Stars and Resident Evil up both like, yeah. two or three slots myself. I mean, I really love Sea of Stars a lot. The style of RPG in particular that I like, it's been a long time since someone's been able to sort of nail it so perfectly. Like there are, it's, Sea of Stars is not unique in the sense of like someone made a throwback RPG. I mean, there was Chained Echoes like yeah. months earlier. Those games exist and they are liked, but Sea of Stars was the first one in a long time to like really click with me. And just like I love the art, I love the story, I love the music, I love the combat. Um, so, I mean, I would, yeah, I would, I would move it above like Dave the Diver myself. I would also agree it should be above Whoa, Dave the Diver. What? I, ooh, ooh. So I love anyway. Sea of Stars. I could not see it being higher than Hi-Fi Rush. Is my issue with <laughs> okay, okay, with that move? <laughs> yeah, Kelsey, <laughs> I could agree with that, and I could argue that it should be above Dave the Diver and Dave the Diver below Hi-Fi Rush. Okay, Kelsey. Played all three of those games before we leave Sea uh, Stars too much. Kelsey, what are your thoughts uh, as somebody who'd played a lot of RPGs this year? Like, not discounting yeah. people who are like, "Well, RPGs aren't really my genre," but this one really clicked with me. I'm curious, somebody who's bathing in RPGs on a daily basis, what you thought of that thing? That's me, just bathing in them. Wow, uh, what an image! <laughs> <laughs> I, I Sea of Stars is very good. Um, it's very clearly like it, it's someone who liked Chrono Trigger and was like, "I'm gonna make." something like that and that's not a bad thing at all <laughs> right I, right like chrono trigger is one of the greatest rpgs of all time um what i really appreciated about it was it felt very uh intentionally crafted in its like in its progression i guess like there's no it's very very difficult to grind in that game it is almost explicitly discouraged by the game and just the way that it's kind of set up you're going to be exactly at the right level they want you for for every challenge so it feels a tad like on rails in that respect but also not in a not in a terrible way like it's just it's just not it's not very open for a jrpg it's a very authored experience and i totally respect that um I don't. I don't really know where I'm going with that because I don't think that's a ding or. No, a, it's like, interesting to bring up. I think it's just like an interesting direction. Um, but yeah, I I really liked it. I don't think it did anything 
Like, I think the stuff above it all did something really new and interesting and cool. Mm-hmm. I think Sea of Stars just, like, is a really good version of what it is. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good distinction. <laughs> that's, that's Kelsey, that's actually, like, almost literally the thesis of the first sentence of the review I wrote for it, <laughs> which is funny. Uh, but, yeah, it's, a, it's also, a re- you could also perceive it as a reason to love it as well, you know? Uh, if I'm looking at what's in the top 10 versus the bottom 10, I mean, I would love a better read on where we're all at collectively as for Day of the Diver. It's currently sitting at number five, which seems a bit high, but it's a game that's really tough not to love. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to get a read on who's, who's the hottest on this thing. Where are we at? I, I mean, guess I might hot be the it. hottest. Okay. It's, oh. it's my number three. Okay. It's uh, uh, six for me. Okay. Yeah. And no one else has played it, or what's? Yeah, I like it a lot, but it's yeah, not on I've my played list. It? I've played yeah, it. I've played it. It's not on I, my it's list. It's gonna maybe be number ten on my list. Like it's good. It's it'll make it. Um, but yeah, I I think it's very solid, and it it be- very much belongs on the two tens. But yes, it, it feels high right now. Jeff, I, I played a lot of it too. I, I hit a little bit of a wall where I don't like. I I, I don't know if I'm gonna see it to the end. Uh, but I really. I, up until that point, I like really loved it. It's not like I hit some wall where I was like, "Oh, suddenly this sucks." I was just kind of like, I was just kind of ready to move on, you know, because it is a very loop. Uh, it's a very much a loopy game, um, and yeah, like, I feel similar to Kelsey. Like, absolutely should be on the two tens. I really enjoyed my time with it, but yeah. I, I personally, it's a little high for me. But um, I'm not yeah. as passionate as, as Jeff Hummer Haley. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean. Starting out, I had that same take, Kyle. I was kind of like, okay, one of those loops. This seems fun. Um, and then I enjoyed what I played of it. But then hearing other people talk, like Haley, who has uh, poured way too much time into it, just hearing that, like, oh, it just keeps getting deeper and they keep adding more systems. And you think it's a simple loop of, like, going fishing, then going back and filling out the restaurant. But it just keeps going beyond that and beyond that and beyond that until eventually, like, Haley, what's, what are the systems towards the end of the game that unlock that wowed you? Well, there's just so much going on that I'm so surprised it's such late game stuff, like not just farming and whatever, like there's like above ground farming, underground farm, like underground underwater farming and all that stuff that doesn't unlock until like so many hours in that just like and all that really does, though, when you think about it is like that seems cool that it's such a late game unlock. But really, all it does is optimize your money later on. As long as you're making steady money, like maybe it's not something that's a big biggest concern. Um, as someone who got really into its systems and like felt I was really trying to min max that game and like how much money can I make in one day? Like, let's try it and just like only getting the best ingredients for a week, making an insane amount of money in a day. I mean, like, that was really fun. Well, I'm gonna try this now. Like, I was really just playing with its systems and stuff, and I had a lot of fun with that. But I can totally see how someone would loop, do some of the loops, maybe get halfway through and bounce off but that's too bad because the story does do a lot of fun stuff at the end especially too like there's certain boss battles that i'm like holy hell the effort into this like this feels so different from the entire rest of the game like it's almost like a different like uh engine is running this boss battle because it, oh, it, it's so different acting um and then the cutscenes, and there's like a nice story payoff and it's like a nice little bow wrapped up and you can keep playing after that if you want to keep playing um and it's, I think it does everything it wants to do really well. And it's also like, it's kind of like an indie game in a trench coat. Cause like <laughs> it has so much money behind it. That's why it's so polished and good. And right. it's, uh, and like the pixel art is, is I saw a lot of people having a really interesting conversation about it. Like what's an indie, which I thought was really cool to talk about, especially from my perspective where I work with indie studios is like, 
what is it? Like, what do we, like, everyone has a different word for a reason behind why they think an indie game is an indie game. And I think Dave the Diver was a fun one to think about because it looks like an indie game. But what does that mean? Anyways, that's a whole separate conversation. I just think it was an interesting thing to come out this year that made me think about that. And because it had so much money behind it in its production, that's why it is so polished. It's one mm-hmm. of the mo- more, most polished games I've played in a long time. Like every single aspect of it was very purposeful, fully realized. And I really love it for that. But yeah, like I don't know if I like it more than like personally, I like Sea of Stars more than Dave the Diver because I think Sea of Stars is just a better experience overall. Whereas Dave the Diver was fun for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Who has Dave the Diver on their personal top 10 list? Kelsey said it's going to be 10. Kyle Haley have it. Or sorry, Jeff and, uh, Haley have it. Don't, yeah, don't put me in. Sorry. Does anybody else have it? I'm just... Okay. I mean, I'm going to place it at a solid 14 at the moment. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Let's just <laughs> dump it all the way to the bottom. Why not? I did not expect Jeff, I didn't hear you making okay. a case for it. Please. The city Skylines 2 in good company. Hey, guys. What's up? You know what? I don't Welcome hate it the down trenches. there as much as I like it. I don't hate it down there. I think it's, I think that it's such a good year. There's so many good games, maybe in a different year where I, I would fight for it harder, but I, I love the top half so far. So I'm fine with Dave, the diver being bumped out of it personally. Jeff, I'm, I'm not. The floor is beyond yours. No. Please. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, like I haven't played sea of stars it's so I can't make a comparison there, except that you're all saying like, yeah, it's a pretty it it it's like a classic JRPG, and God forbid we we don't see any of those. Shake Salt shaker, salt shaker. Get him! Get him! Get him! I didn't like Hi-Fi Rush. I know we okay, have well, a let's few not get crazy. people who did, and other where people were you who yesterday? Are I literally asked. I was like, did anyone also not? Dark Jeff in this game, and everyone. I, I said like, oh, it. I, no, I I said it yesterday. I, I, I missed will you under say the, it again. The Apparently, booze. people don't <laughs> hear me. Um, <laughs> yeah, we talked. We talked about all kinds of problems with Chia that we had yesterday in terms yep. of the gameplay on that one. Like, hey, how about we? How you, about we light a like, candle like instead you, of cursing okay, the darkness here? here, here here's here's my argument. You prefaced Haley Haley's gameplay of David the Diver saying, oh, well, yeah, you played way too much of it. The thing is, what? this is one game. <laughs> I did not say that at all. Yes, yes, you, you, said, said, you, said, you said, said you played too, too many hours. Oh, of maybe. It. And, the, and the thing is, this <laughs> is one game where but it was a positive she, actually, check the tape. she actually didn't because it has the, just this endless, ridiculous amount of progression in depth into all of these different systems on top of a core gameplay loop that is different from any other of these type of Games like there are so many farming games. There are so many fishing games. This one actually feels different from all of them and is wrapped up in this just absurdity of a pixel art style that, I mean, yeah, it has a bigger budget than most indie games, but I'm not going to knock it for being one of the prettiest, most polished, deepest, longest playing indie cozy games that you can get. Yep, and still stylish, not just like saccharinely polished, but like the cutscenes yeah. are. Yeah, every new cutscene I saw, of which there are many, many cutscenes, I was really stunned by just how how fun they were to watch. Yeah, so like twelve. Jeff, where would you well, put I'm it on this list? For... Where would you put it on this list? 
It was where I would put it on the list. Um, where was it? It was like five. five. Trust yeah, you. It was five. I mean, come uh, on. Put it above, maybe above. I, I, I feel like Chia doesn't need to be this high. I'm going to throw that out there. But I kind of already did that yesterday. I kind of still agree that same. I, don't I think, think Chia is Chia pokeable. I think Chia is, is extremely pokeable for going yeah, to the, to okay. the bottom of the list. Interesting. I mean, not very bottom. Let's not lose our minds here. Not but, a 14. God forbid. I mean, I love a Chia, but Chia feels like a solid 17 to me. No, we, I mean, like a bunch of us played it and liked it. Yeah. You More know, of us I, beat I, that than any other game besides Resident Evil 4 on here, probably, right? Beat it? Lola's I mean, actually, probably Alex true. It's but I don't think that those, means, anyway. I don't think that means that it's a better game than other games. Like, I well, I, I honestly, Janet, on this list. Some, I, I think the rest of us have a higher bar for beating games than you do. Like, we beating games really means something to me. I beat three games this year. <laughs> And Janet flies through so many. One of the, one of those people who beat it though said they skipped a bunch of it because you can skip it. And I didn't, they didn't beat it. Like what they were. Doing. I didn't beat it. Oh, you didn't beat it. I didn't beat okay, it. Leave me so alone. You were, you were you were skipping and then didn't beat it. Yeah. What do you want from me, Jeff? Yeah. Well, I think on on that note, I just I only bring that up to say that I don't think there's in. I think it's challenging to add like an objective layer to what then ends up being a feeling. So like, yeah, maybe more of us. That's, that's played what we're doing. One, yeah, yeah, but like, but I don't think at the end of the day we can just say, oh, enough of us beat and like Chia that mm. it, that means it's going to be really high. Personally, for me, I mean, if we want to do it that way, we could, but I think it would change a lot of these if we just base it on how many people liked it from just the group versus like how passionate people are about it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that you have to knock up. it. I don't know that you have to knock it that far down. Sure. Um, but it it's that one that one sticks out to me as one of like it's it's a it's a mixed room with that one. Some people really like it. Some people have played it and didn't like it. Who didn't like it? I didn't like it. Okay. I mean, I I enjoyed like I said, I enjoyed the gameplay and kind of running around, but the mission structure and and a lot of what the game was asking me to do it was the reason I bounced off and and I did not enjoy that aspect of it. No. Um, it's sitting at 11 right now. And I want us all to feel that. <laughs> just <laughs> soaking just through our with that for a minute. Um, what a, very, what a therapeutic that. comment. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I, I feel like that could Jen. be okay. Like, I don't know. I, can, I like it there. Ooh, ooh, love it. And won't it. Will it not drop lower when we discuss some of, like, the armored cores. Well, or like I think it might, but here's let me yeah. let me offer offer a, a sacrifice to the group. Let me put it on a pedestal, Alan Wake Two style. Of Karateka? Yeah, I think that's too that's high. That's a great twenty. Great twenty. Great twenty. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! No, we've already established Mario Wonder is twenty. I think that <laughs> feels okay. Like okay. okay, great <laughs> nineteen. You're, you're I, right. uh, okay. happy to have okay, Mario. Okay, look, we'll get to Mario in a bit. <laughs> we'll leave no Mario unscathed. Making Karateka, you know, we talked about it last week. Uh, truly, one of my favorite experiences of the year. I mean, it's my personal number four. Um, I'm fine with it being in the bottom ten. I just don't want it in that reject half of the bottom ten. Is where Whoa. I'm going from. No. You said there was no shame in 14, and now... Yeah. <laughs> Remember, guys, no matter where these end up, these are 15 great games. <laughs> yeah, you know, 100%. And then five other ones. <laughs> these five Look, I'll, I'll, crash games. On the... Yeah, I, God I forbid your totally games fine. sit with the Leo and Sarah games. Oh, I shudder <laughs> to think of it. 
<laughs> I, I think it's totally fine if this is on if this is fairly low on the two tenths. It's also very high on my list. I'm with you, Ben. It's I think one of the coolest experiences of the year. Yes. Um but it doesn't like this is not going to be a thing that resonates with every person. This this is for smart people who like learning, not yeah. for uh, try it on yeah. for size. Yeah, okay, exactly. Okay. It shouldn't even be on the list. No. <laughs> uh, it's on here, so I mean, we have a little bit of. I'm fine with it at like seventeen. That's where it was la- last year. The same kind of game was in seventeen. So that okay. seems like that. Could I'm moving it to seventeen. What was it? It stings it was a little. The Atari Atari anniversary celebration. Yeah. Uh, that's just the honor. Really sorry. Talking talking we'll just reserve that you. game. We'll reserve that spot for you guys every year. <laughs> Thank you. That's all we ask. <laughs> I mean, there's that llama one coming out next year. Yeah, hell yeah, Llama Soft, Jeff Winter story. Uh, okay, we'll just, we yeah. just keep seventeen open next year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. leave it open for them. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of it has moved on. Like I feel like every year before it was like, well, Jackbox has to go on, and now it's just the new like, well, the new Digital Eclipse Gold Edition thing has to go on. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, in terms of top tens, bottom tens, Leo, what what looks off I, to you? What would you what would you shuffle? Um, I would love to hear why Hi-Fi Rush is as high as it is. I'm totally mm. open to it. I just want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Where are we as a group for Hi-Fi Rush? I know Kelsey is gaga over it. It, like, is it your number one, Kelsey? Um, no, but it's in my top four. Top four. Okay. Um, and this is, like, that's the only reason it's not higher is just because this was a really good RPG year, too. But I feel like this is a game that it, it's interesting and fun and stylish and feels great. And it just, it feels like a, I don't know, it's a it's an experience that is very much for it felt like it was made for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love rhythm games. I love action games. I love feeling like I'm good at action games when I'm not. Um, <laughs> and I just, I feel like this is a very good, solid experience the entire way through. Um, it is fun progression. It is fun. Even if you're not super good at rhythm games, they are, they were so smart about yeah. how they implemented all of the different ways to help you out and be better at rhythm games. Um, and like, I think, I don't know. I think it's something everyone should experience, and I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm once again a little shocked that there's some people that didn't like it on this panel because I loved it. I thought yeah. it was like a nearly flawless experience. No, I, I am with you, Kelsey. It's currently at my number two. Uh, I really, absolutely was Gaga over High Fry Rush. It completely blew me away. As somebody who doesn't really like stylish action games, it just it feels like so many smart ideas, and it feels like one of those games where. I'm sure other studios have pitched a concept like this, even tried to develop games that are like this. Like, okay, it's a musical action game. All right, so everything you do is on the beat. But even just like that small detail of like, you're not attacking on the beat to feel like you fully have to be in that zone. Like your base level attack, you just hit attack and then it'll wait and then do it on the beat just to alleviate as much of that hassle as possible to make you feel just like you aren't being guilty for failing every step of the way for trying to keep up with the music and stuff like that. But it just, it feels like a game that maybe a lot of people have pitched or concepted. And then like this team just brought up a solid seven out of 10 idea into a level of polish that uh, is downright mind boggling. Like the overall production, it looks so damn good. Like I, I really think it's one of the best looking games ever made. Like I went back and played through the opening and the ending again this morning just to remind myself, like, do I really love this game as much as I think I do? And first of all, it's the tone. Like it's the silly over the top tone. It feels like 
it has the seriousness of like a Mega Man Legends, which for me is the sweet spot of gaming tones. Like I just want goofy characters in a fun world. That's it, right? Um, but going back and and playing uh, the beginning and the ending again, like I just forgot how. I don't, like how good it looks like you would think that with that cell shaded art style which plenty of games have done before there's always a weird level of clipping or like okay here's like a three pixel line that'll be here for a couple frames then it'll disappear like everything if you look at any other cell shaded game it just can't hold a candle to this like it looks so damn good every frame every step of the way and it's a level that i still cannot comprehend how they pulled it off when every other studio is just making it cell shaded, but you know, you can see they're just 3D polygonal models and it's just doing a weird approximation of it. And the fact like, that uh, the whole world is like bopping to the music in a noticeable way, like right. not just things that are pure scenery, but you know, conveyor belt platforms are moving along with the rhythm, a different, you know, BPM per level, each level having its own vibe, but all, all like pulsating as you sit and just take it in. Really yeah. cool design. There's animated cutscenes and then there's animated cutscenes. And this game has animated cutscenes <laughs> with people who like clearly ha- have learned the art of animation for decades and know like all the laws of animation and how to bend it to be spunky. It reminded me a little bit of like Into the Spider-Verse, not that they look the same, but just that it's there's trying that. to do spunky things with its animation style. And then it p- pulls it off in a fun way to the point that I'm like, this should be on TV. This should get a spinoff tv series and i would watch that and not play it i just want to watch this art style because it looks so nice yeah and just it feels breezy the entire game feels light and silly when you know that hey game development's hard there was nothing light and silly about the development of this game you know but the fact that they can just make it seem all so loose and the fact that i think the writing is great i think all the characters really got me i think that entire final sequence is you're running up with your friends to the big finale like playing through that again it's still like god that the music, the low roar music as it's building up, just it absolutely works for me. Everman's um, voice acting was like probably my, one of my favorites this year too. Even with like Alan Wake existing this year and stuff, like the voice actress for Peppermint really stuck out for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, and just like stupid gags. There's plenty of just stupid gags in here. Like when Chai is like carrying Corsica <laughs> with her, like after she passed out, and he keeps banging her head into the door frames as he's trying to run through this facility. And then it's like a last door frame, and it's like wide open, so he's like really carefully tiptoeing through the door frame so he doesn't bang her head just this one time and then the automatic door just slams and slams right into her head <laughs> it's just like good physical gags that i really appreciate um i think it's interesting ben that you said also i apologize if there's background noise there's a squadron of leaf blowers next to me <laughs> get in um i it, it's interesting that you said this was like something that a bunch of people would have pitched that then they managed to nail because to me this feels like The rhythm thing feels completely unexpected, but like revelatory for the stylish action Mm. genre in that it it, I I said this in my own video, but like it makes the it makes the genre make sense in a way that it often does not. If you are playing a Bayonetta or a Devil May Cry in terms of like the fact that every attack that you want to counter from an enemy is also going to come on the beat. And like the way that you dodge the dodge timing to chain dodges is also on the beat is like such a genius idea to make that sort of like pretty fast paced often can devolve into button mashing combat like makes sense in a really smart way. Um, that being said, as probably the biggest stylish action game fan here, I I don't think the combat itself holds up to the best of that genre. No. And I think like the enemy variety is kind of lacking and whatever. Like it's 
you know, I, I think it is a, a brilliant game, but it is not what I'm going to go to when I want to play a game of that kind. Yeah. For me, it's like my number eight. You mm. know, I I really, I do really, really like it, but I, it's not at the tippy top of my list. Yeah, I get it. It's still a lot of, all right, we're going to make an invisible wall style scenario. Here's your little combat arena. Here's a little combat arena. And I, I totally hear you on I that mean, front. and that, look... That's not the problem. That's, that's the stuff you like. Every, I, see, I see. You know, it's but it is like if you play if you play Bayonetta or you play even even Lies of P, it's like you are going to see a new kind of enemy that is going to make you vary your tactics every five minutes, and like yeah. that, you're just kind of killing the same bots here, and and like the the extreme color coding of some enemies to be like for the green guy, you need the green power or whatever is neat to help you get to know it, but after a while feels a little tiresome because you're just kind of waiting on bars to recharge. So, like, there there are problems that I have with the mechanics of the game, but I do think everything you said about the tone and the characters and whatever is is totally on point. I, yeah, I don't I, think the game is long enough to have ever felt that sort of, like, boredom in enemy design or yeah. character design or anything. Like, I could totally... I. I respect that but i also just i don't think it's a long enough experience for that to have ever bothered me um i don't know i just want to quickly touch on what leo said earlier about how everything's kind of like moving to the environment and how cool that is um i did i think i played through literally that entire game just doing absolutely everything on the beat like for not because you need to just because like that's what feels right it feels right to literally time your jumps with like the beats of the song and like I don't it's a very joyful experience to do that to play through a whole game like you're just vibing or dancing to a song it's yeah. really cool and specifically like the prodigy scenes and the you know like I feel like there there are a number of like this set piece specifically with this piece of music is going to be you know like everyone is going to have a favorite one of those yeah and you know Kelsey you play a lot of stylish action games too like I don't want it just to be like, well, the stylish expert, uh, stylish action expert says it's okay. Jacob is definitely more of an expert Damn than it. I am in that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I play them, but I'm not very good at them. Sure. I just, I just like them. Yeah, I remember last week, Janet, you mentioned like, look, if it wasn't freaking shadow dropped, you all wouldn't even care. And like, I do think that's an interesting. I, I do think we'd obviously care, but I was thinking more about that. And like, I do think. It definitely had an impact, like, going into this game completely blind and really being blown away by, like, this, I don't even, I never really cared about Tango in a big way, and this completely blew me away, and it's, like, it's tough to separate that, but it's, like, I don't think you need to. Like, your experience playing the game is your experience playing the game. I mean, and, like, it, I was, it is also a great but, video game, yeah. to be clear. Yeah. I just, it's not one that, like, hearing other people that are really passionate about it, like, it's clear that that, that love is there, and I just don't have that for it, which yeah. is fair and fine. Like, we're all going to land differently, but for me, it's, like, it kind of reminds me of that scene from not quite as extreme, but Parks and Rec, where everyone loves little Sebastian. And then Ben White is like, I don't know, he's just a small horse. And everyone's like, what do you mean he's just a small horse? Like, <laughs> didn't you feel the magic? And it's like, for me, I think it's it's a great video game. It's a fun time, but it didn't feel revolutionary or like a sure. big standout for me in the year. But I also didn't finish it, so maybe I would have felt deeper about it if I had had seen it through. It so, ends well, yeah. I'm, I'm not married to forcing my opinion on here just because i don't really have like a fully fleshed out one to begin with but it just doesn't 
ride super high for me. It's kind of throwbacky in a pure level design perspective to like Xbox 360 yep. era yep. of it being kind mm. of linear, but a little open. And there are side rooms that you're finding. Things. Yeah. But that was like a pro for me. That's that that felt right for what it is. Yep. I yeah. didn't realize that, that that was also a pro for me, but I think that's why it resonated with me a lot too, Leo. I didn't think about that till you just said that, but it, it feels like playing a game when I was like 15 because <laughs> that's probably what they're thinking of when they design those levels. That that was a con for me. I I enjoyed the combat. I liked the characters um, surprisingly much for Chai because it, like like you I think you said it last time, Hanson. He is like that classic idiot character that is annoying in every other game, but yeah. there's something charming about him here. But it was it was everything in between that exploring those levels, and I was I spent a lot of time hitting crates and just kind of. At, at that point, like, I do like that things are moving to to the rhythm, and that is cool to see in the environments, but I don't I don't like having to traverse and explore environments to the rhythm mm-hmm. during those those sections. And that and there there wasn't there wasn't a lot to them other than kind of just traversing, you know, the the kind of puzzly platforming that they wanted you to get through, but that that wasn't um, I think the platforming is pulling it through is a little weak. Uh, the sure. the like physics of the jump and whatever are really well designed for combat. And then when you have to like jump on moving platforms, it it falls apart a little. Yeah, that's true. Haley. I don't disagree with that. That's the the platforming is OK in that game. But yeah. but I'm also not I'm not a am not a big rhythm, you know, rhythm game fan. So I I totally understand that the two of you like. Like that's not going to hold you back from absolutely loving it and getting through to the next, you know, big combat and boss yeah. and, and the parts that you that are more enjoyable. Oh, to get back to your comment, Jacob, from ten minutes ago about like other games going for this type of thing, um, I was I was specifically I was thinking about like Harmonix had their first person shooter called Chroma, where it's like you would shoot on the beat that didn't uh, see the light of day, and then they released or there was a game called No Straight Roads from like twenty twenty. I think is like the lead designer of Final Fantasy 15 mm. that if you look at it, it's wild because it feels like it's another take on this exact idea and it just wasn't that fun to play. We shouldn't let this discussion end without talking about the robot character that draws different expressions Cinnamon. on his face for every conversation. Uh, that Look, that's great. It is great. <laughs> um, and the, I mean, to tie into other games on this list, there is a fun Xenogears reference in there too, which is uh, just a level of like, that's what that's the stuff that I love and it's just because I love Xenogears I guess but just like the game can be that silly and specific and that loose that like we're gonna have a whole three minute chunk of the game be a wild homage to Xenogears the 1998 RPG but it's like you know what we're passionate about this put it in um Haley you're informed on this topic I mean when you look at Hi-Fi Rush in that top 10 of course obviously it belongs in the top 10 but I mean where do you feel like is a good home for it um, the only thing I would do is move it below Sea of Stars, and then I'd personally be happy. But I also adore it, and it's just that I really like Sea of Stars. But I feel like the group likes Hi-Fi Rush more than Sea of Stars, so I could, I could consent yeah. that it where it is right now also kind of feels right too for this group. Yeah, I am. Resident Evil Four remake as a group again. Is it above Hi-Fi Rush for us? Like, some of us really like Hi-Fi Rush. A lot of people are kind of like, eh. Yeah. I mean, whereas Resident Evil 4 Remake, again, we all say it's super fun to play and we love it. I, I like it above Hi-Fi Rush. 
Yeah. I, I like Hyper Rush but... more. Okay. I know I like it above Dave the Diver, but then I don't know how to answer your question after that. <laughs> okay. We don't maybe we don't need to change it. Maybe it's okay. I was just testing the waters. Um what else? What else should move from the top ten to the bottom ten? Could I poke Spider Man a little bit? Poke it, Haley. You can poke. That's interesting. What are your thoughts on Spider Man, Haley? I love Spider-Man. I had a great, great. time with Spider-Man. Um, I think it did new things for Traversal that was just made so much sense. The wingsuit, obviously, that's awesome. I could just do that. When my godfather came over and he was asking what's new with games, I showed him Spider-Man because that was yeah. the thing that was going to impress him the most, and that's what that game is. Um, but it's also more Spider-Man. <laughs> like As much as I like that, um, having like I platinum the first Spider-Man. I played Miles Morales 2. It, it's more of it, and it's still really good. And I think just in a year with such stacked new experiences that feel like they're weirdly revolutionary in what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. um, it just is hard to put it up against things like Hi-Fi Rush or Sea of Stars or Alan Wake 2 or Zelda because it's just more of good thing. And yeah. I think any other year that might be enough to get it up higher than where it is, but it could even be a little bit lower. I don't think Chia should be above it personally, but I could see like... I know Jacob has a lot of passion for Eliza P. Like I would even, I wouldn't even mind Jacob having a passionate speech about how that should be above Spider-Man too. Cause that's how much I am kind of like, yeah, Spider-Man. Like it was, it was fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I like it where it's, it's currently sitting at number nine. Um, and you say, yeah, it is more of the good thing. I do think it's, just the amount of variety they pack into those missions and the fact that you're split now between two Spider-Man with different skill trees and different abilities and things are changing with just their basic mechanics throughout the entire game. I just feel like it's packing so much in and it's one of those situations a little bit like Resident Evil 4 remake for me where I look at it and it's like, I think minute to minute, it's the most fun game to play this year. Um, mm. I, I think I think that's true, but almost in kind of a... It, it's almost a detriment, a detriment to it where I feel like it's kind of a junk foodie game, you know, that it is like every 30 seconds of that game is fun. Like there right. is not a single moment of that game that isn't fun. And it's so fun that you get to the end and you, you kind of haven't thought about the whole time how I don't think it's really done anything like that wild or interesting. You know, it's like I just kept waiting for it to like do something that would not be like the big triple a quadruple a sony video game choice and it's like i it just it just kind of slides out of my mind like i i beat that game and i don't think about it because i like i don't think it does that much i hear you but it's like what what do you want from them to do the big twist uh from a triple a production i think like some of those side missions where it's like hey let's just stop and think about death the fact that there's like literally two missions where it's like time out let's think about death for four minutes like i not that we should I, I put mean, it at the top it, of the list time, because of that but it's pretty wild a cutscene doesn't it doesn't really one of them isn't a cutscene. One of them isn't a cutscene. The other one isn't really a cutscene either. I mean, I think in terms of like not really doing that much that's wildly different. I mean, we've talked about it before with the max spoilers and everything, but like I just I love the amount of surreal missions that are in this game. It's like they took that feedback from the first game of like, hey, that weird scorpion venom scene where it's kind of the, the trippy sequence. Um, what if that was 30% of the missions in this game are gonna be inside somebody's mind or some surreal nightmare or some technological version of a surreal environment i just feel like that that is what them the playing MJ missions didn't suck right i mean <laughs> i don't think they did they yeah. dared to dream no, they, right they were better they were better than the first game that's yeah right. they were exactly as good as assassin's creed mirage 
Ooh, <laughs> it's the man. same game. Oh crap! We forgot to bring it up. I don't listing. even know how to t- like. That's one to sit with. Yeah. Yeah. Um. um so yeah, I will be thinking I, about that more in Spider Man Two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like. I think. I the first half of the story. I enjoyed more than any of the previous Spider-Man stories. The second half, I wasn't as crazy about, but as a whole, I was, I was surprisingly engaged. Like call me a simpleton, please. But at the same time, I think I was more engaged with the story in Spider-Man two than any other game story this year. Look, I want to see where this thing fricking goes. And maybe again, I am just, uh, too obsessed with superheroes. I don't think I am. I think I'm critical enough, but still this one got me. And I really wanted to see where the story was going, what was happening with these characters. Yeah, the story moments are, are have really good gameplay, and it's interesting, you know, it, back in the day, you'd think a, a Sony prestige game would have, like, two to three giant action set pieces that are really memorable, and this felt like every chapter, there was, it was just set up and cooled down from a giant set piece yeah. that was, like, had unique gameplay in it, and that was really cool. I think it's always a tough conversation to have, because it is a known good thing that we expect to be good and succeeds at being good, but it just seems to not really emotionally resonate in a way that some of these games do that get us really excited to pump them up on the list yeah that's what i think i think it's good and i would and i i'm am more excited when something someone's a big nerd for gets higher than something that's that we all were like that was fun but like at ben it sounds like you are passionate about it though i do i mean it's my personal number three for yeah for whatever that means so file that away number keepers but <laughs> janet i, I mean where, where do you think about spider-man i know you're a fan um, yeah, I love this game. It's my personal number five, uh, right behind Dead Space Remake Rip <laughs> from last episode. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with a lot of it that's been tossed out, which I feel like it's such a cop-out response. But this is a phenomenal game and an incredibly boring pick for any list. I sure. think it's a fantastic game. I think it's one of the best games I've played this year. And I acknowledge that that is a little bit of a boring thing to say, but it's just true. Again, moment to moment, the feeling, the traversal. The side quests have, I think, a lot of heart to them. But yeah, it's, again, unless it really wows. And I think that's kind of one of the running themes with a lot of Insomniac's titles. It's like, it's really like well made. But again, I think a lot of issues that fall with this, you know, quote unquote, Sony prestige title is they're so polished, they lack dimension it's almost better if your game was a little worse because then it might be a little bit more interesting we could kind of really debate something i think the closest i've seen to us really unpacking like a mechanical sequence was that fight that we talked about last episode which i guess i won't get into because of spoilers but it's like at least okay cool that's a friction point like some of us hated it some of us loved it and we had something to really unpack but i think it is so digestible that it is a little bit less interesting um but that being said it's, it's still my number five i still think it's a fantastic game and I think it's better than a lot of games on this list in a sense. But at the same time, it's like I do kind of like how we lean on intrigue and passion a bit more. I do think, though, if we're going to say it's more of the same, the same thing is good. That's also RE4 Remake. And I get that yeah. RE4 Remake is a better game, like game to game than Spider-Man 2. But I think they both are prisoners of, OK, yeah, it's a great thing that we thought would be great. And again, I do think RE4 is probably more interesting, even though I didn't finish it. But. Yeah, they're both kind of in there. So like, I know Dave the Diver just kind of awkwardly sitting in the middle. It's like, should that be higher? Because it's it's newer and more of a surprise. Should that should they both be dropped? You know, it's like, again, I think Spider-Man's a way better game than Chia. But it's should Chia be higher because there's more intrigue for it? Like, I'm not really sure how we as a group want to go about that. Because, again, also, what's the best game? That's also very personal on what you think is better than another game, you know? 
This is a yeah. this is a totally unfair thing to level against Spider-Man 2, and I acknowledge that. But I do think, like, in 10 years, uh, when uh, not acknowledging any news stories, there might be another Spider-Man game. Um, like, I just don't think anyone's going to be, like, uh, like talk about Spider-Man 2 separate from the Marvel Spider-Man franchise. Yeah. You know, like, it does, it does just kind of seem... Like another one, you know, when we'll talk about like, oh, yeah, I love those Spider-Man games, but I don't think people are going to be like Spider-Man 2. That's the one because like the things that it does well, it just seems like it does a little better than Spider-Man 1 and Miles Morales. And like like we talked about in our Max spoilers, there are story moments from both those first games that stick with me way, way more. And like, you know, my favorite story moments from Spider-Man 1 we're not surpassed by sure. two. And it, and so it just makes it feel a little like another one versus like the next great entry. Yeah. I mean, there is obviously wild originality on this list above it, um, which is why I feel like sitting at number nine feels about right to me. I'm not arguing it should be higher. Um, yeah. I just, I don't want to punish uh, a game for like a game that we all agree is super fun to play almost all the time. <laughs> like that seems wild. That I, I rushed through the back half of that um, game over the past couple of days, and I my biggest knock against it when we when we started poking is the story, which did not uh, resonate. And and part of that is because I played the first half, which actually was good and had all of the Miles Morales parts to it that I actually wow. enjoyed. And then the second half uh, was a lot of Peter being a douchebag, but <laughs> but I, I I enjoyed the gameplay the entire time and. And when I look at the rest of the list, there's nothing there that I'm wanting to bump up above it. That's the way I feel too. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of the place where I'm at now. Like it's it's kind of sunk to the point where I don't I don't know what the argument or you know which game we're even arguing for to move above it. Yeah, but for, it, it wouldn't be Chia for me at this point, and I don't. Yeah, uh, for audio listeners, with it's the birds. It was. Really- it was nice. Uh, but below right. Marvel Spider-Man 2, it's Chia, Liza P, Chance of Snar, Octopath Traveler 2, City Skylines 2, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, Venba, The Making of Karateka, uh, Karateka, Shadow Gambit, The Curse Crew. <laughs> Kelsey, you didn't jump on that. You didn't correct? Uh, Armored Core 6, uh, Fires of Rubicon, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Future Redeemed. Um, is Are these the two pockets? I think we um, should- I want to poke at Venba real quick, just because every mm. single person on like it's a it's a short experience, and I know that there's probably some ding against that compared to a giant game like Spider Man Two. But I mean, just pure passion wise, and you know, there's no way to get super scientific about this, but like literally everyone here loved that game. Is that right? Did I, everybody? I think that counts I, for I, something, right? I felt yeah. like the last conversation we had about it, people were like. Do we need it on the on the two tens? And kind of debated that. And the the takeaway was yes, it should be on the two tens. But I, to, to I be fair, I, I think didn't. that was me trying to. I really love Venba, but I think that was me trying to sacrifice one for the team a little bit. That said, I think Venba is a great lower two tens option. So we could have had Texas Chainsaw in here, and you're just like, yeah, hey, Venba. it didn't happen. I was <laughs> trying to throw it out there. No, I think I think Venba's awesome for the bottom ten. Um, I mean, does anybody feel like it should go up? Well, okay. If if not that, I guess I'm just trying to put something above Spider Man, just given mm, the, sure. just given everyone's temperature on it, and not yeah. like I have no dog in this fight. Um, but there, it feels like there's a lot more passion for 
a lot of the games in 11 through 20 than there is for Spider-Man. Um, just if we're trying to move it off of that nine spot. I, I, I mean, mean I, didn't, I didn't say much, but I like Spider-Man on the top 10. I mean, that's that's a. It would still be on the top 10 if something went above it. To be that's clear, true. Currently. Yeah. yeah, I I think that um, Chia is a game that uh, some of us really like and some of us have like very understandable kind of uh, quibbles with. Mm-hmm. And it it does feel reasonable to put Venba above that, which is a game that I don't think any of us really have like issues with. And we all really, really liked. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. Uh, and I like Chia a lot. I, I thought it was a really good game, but I think Venba, like Venba's on my top 10 um, for Indie Console. It was like my number one indie game of the year. Yeah. It's because I didn't play that many indie games because we started the show like at the end of the year and I was like, oh my God, I'm not as good as everyone else in the cast. But um, yeah, I mean, I I think it's really special, um, but I don't know. I just keep coming back to like... On the list. I keep coming back to like core gameplay stuff, which is a thousand different angles you can take for these debates i get it but thinking about playing the core gameplay of chia most of the time i was freaking delighted and rolling down a hill as a rock and flying around um and traversing a little world in a way that i've never really traversed a world in a game before and then the core gameplay of venba is uh getting frustrated with the puzzles but enjoying everything surrounding that you know um so I, I I I'm hesitant to put well, it above Chia personally, but I'm curious where everybody I, else. Well, is at the very least, it seems like it could come up above the other ones. Sure. It's with yeah, you could put it at eleven. Yeah. You betcha. Hey, you betcha. Um, okay. I so, also just like I want to hear more from. I mean, Sarah is City Skylines two your number two game of the year, and Leo Shadow Gambit is your number two of the year. Like those feel. I mean, I City also Skylines have my number is one my and two. Number two game of the year. Thanks for asking, Kelsey. <laughs> I I have some stuff that's high up that's a little low too because it's also like a niche thing that only mm-hmm. I'm into. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's opportunity for people to get excited about that and move it higher than it is. Like some of that should be in the top 10. I feel like. I'd love or to hear more about city skylines too. Okay. Um, city skylines. <laughs> How dare you. Let's go with uh, Sarah. For <laughs> incredible. Incredible. So city builder. The um, they added a lot of stuff from the base game and I'm just really excited. They added a bunch of like economic resources. So when you get a new place, you'll have resources that you know that you're like, okay, well I want to, you can actually make your town a more green town versus just saying like, we're a green town, you know, you can focus on farming and agriculture and solar. Um, I really liked the follow system where you can actually like add the people in your city to like your own personal Twitter feed and you can watch them like age up and kind of move around the city and you can see them like working at actual buildings. You can see them like, like getting like becoming more economically stable. If you're like making a more successful city. Um, I like to like ride around my own public transportation systems and I like to follow people and see the routes they take. So yeah, you can follow somebody and you can watch them get on a bus to a train and you're like, wow, isn't public transportation great, but I can just play this game for hours. Like this is the game that I sit and all of a sudden it's five in the morning and I'm just like, just one more. I just need one more road and I can (laughs) fix this whole traffic thing. Just one more road and I've solved the problem. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to see where city skylines two goes with all the DLC city skylines has like, it's truly going to be like, one of those like forever played games. The follow thing sounds really cool. Yeah. I'm really intrigued by that. Yeah, having a game that that 
is that big, but then having almost a Sims-like quality of, like, you will care about every individual if you want to. Like, that's such an awesome mm-hmm. bit of granularity. Does it zoom in, like, perspective-wise small, or are you just, like, watching from above yeah. them? No, no, you, you go down and you, like, it's like you're behind them. Like, you go to, like, a street level. That's so you can, awesome. like, see oh, all cool. the stuff around them. Um, you can see, you can watch them, like, they're, like, where are you? It'll say where they're going. They're, like, they're going shopping. And then they'll just, like, pop into the building and pop out. And they're, like, they're going home. And you're, like, awesome. Look at this wonderful city I've made for you to thrive in. Uh, do you think it's egregious that it's not in the top 10 or where yet for its overall placement here i mean i'm the only one that really likes city skylines and it seems like there's a lot more people who are behind the games on the top 10 so i'm fine currently where it is i'm not gonna fight for it because it just seems like there's more like multiple people behind the games above it so i'm happy where it is it's kind of the top of the solo defenders right Everything above mm-hmm. that, I think. Chance so. of Sonar, yeah. we've got multiple people who like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Leo, uh, how are you feeling about Shadow Gambit? Bottom ten. Um, I think it's great in the bottom half of the f- second ten. I, I adore that game, and the one thing I haven't, you know, given a credit for in these talks is the how great the character design and story yeah. is. Every character I want to watch a movie about, they're just like so acutely designed and they all do get their little backstory moments all very memorable and unique in ways that come through in their gameplay like this guy who uh jumps on this you know spirit anchor and dives under the ground and can reappear at anywhere else within the area at the same level and you can pull bodies in under the ground i don't know it's it's interesting gameplay per character for a stealth thing options i've never had in stealth games before yeah and that goes a long way for me and the quick saving thing is so so clever having it be part of the story there's a character that is saving for you when you press the quick save button and reminds you to quick save and says maybe you should load the previous quick save you know in in game terms and it factors into the story eventually which is really cool how cohesive that all is yeah. i think it's a special thing but still haven't beaten it so don't feel you know like it's uh, like I'm dying if it's not super high. Yeah, yeah. And I know we've talked about it before, but it's an easy one to forget. But yeah, Shadow Gambit, it's it's a game that was described as tactical stealth and that turned me off. And then playing it, it's like, at least in the early stages, like this feels more like isometric Dishonored and it feels freaking sweet. It like, And you know, uh, Leo, you asked if I played more of it last week and I remember like, oh crap, I kind of did, um, where my brother-in-law was staying with us. And he's one of those guys who's like playing... Baldur's Gate 3 on the hardest difficulty. What is that called again, Sarah? Honor mode. Yeah, he's like, easy baby game, like that type of thing. And so I'm like, hey, I think you might like this. And so I tossed him Shadow Gambit on the Steam Deck and he was playing it for hours, like this freaking rules. So I definitely want more people to check it out. Um, so I was going to say, it's a situation where the studio exploded right if they shipped an awesome game, but yeah, Shadow feels, feels really, really snappy. Yeah. A, another studio down for a game that just came out? That yep. sucks. There's a Leo touch. My yeah. power's growing. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> for the audio listeners, somebody that was not me made, was a bold, me. made a bold move, and I think it's the correct one. Jeff, what'd you do? I'm, what did you do? I, I moved Super Mario to the bottom because we only debated for like 45 minutes last episode <laughs> if that one was going to get cut. So yeah. it, it only makes sense down there. I think that makes and sense. And that moved everything else. That moved Shadow Gambit up a spot. So there you go. Um, Kelsey, you've been very generous on calling on other people. How are you feeling about the 
the bottom 10 right now. So just for everybody's remind, uh, reminder for everybody, uh, it's Venba, Lies of P, Chance of Sonar, Octopath Traveler 2, City Skylines 2, Making of Karateka, Shadow Gambit, The Curse Crew, Armored Core 6, Xenoblade, Chronicles 3, Future Redeemed, and Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Like, I guess specifically Octopath and Xenoblade. How are you feeling about those in the, in the bottom 10? Yeah, I mean, I we have this situation where, like, I'm going to be the only defender of these games, and... I love them. They are both really, really incredible RPGs. And I was thinking about it last night, and I realized that specifically my favorite like narrative thing is setting up a ton of pieces that you think, there's no way these things can all be related, and then somehow in the end all of the pieces come together in a really satisfying way. And that's both of these games. Both, oh, interesting. Both the Xenoblade Chronicles uh, 3 Future Redeemed. Um, that one's over an extremely long scale of, like, you know, a decade and 300 hours. Um, and then Octopath Traveler 2, it's just just nails it in, you know, one... I mean, it's still pretty, it's a pretty long game. It's, like, 90 hours to beat. Uh, but, like... Both of those do that specific thing super, super well. Um, they are incredible games if you like JRPGs, but it's it's just me, you know? Like, I don't know how much more I can argue for them. I, like, I their positioning, I'd probably put them both closer together in Xenoblade on top of Octopath Traveler 2, but, like... That's that's nitty gritty. They're both sure. they're both going to probably end up in the bottom half, and that's okay. And Octopath, we haven't really talked about it too much yet overall but like um the story is better than octopath traveler one i know that was a big ding for everybody yeah, with that one by far um and you know I'll, I'll preface that by saying i never actually finished octopath one because i just even i think like 40 hours in i just still wasn't really feeling it and still wasn't really drawn in and um it, it was fine but i think that i basically i just wish octopath traveler one didn't come out because Octopath Traveler 2 just nails all of the things that the first one did pretty well, and it makes 2 feel not as special because of it. Because, like, oh, we have technically already seen this kind of thing before, um, but I don't don't feel like the first one did it in a way... um, I guess I should explain. Um, Octopath is referring to there being eight different playable characters whose stories all eventually intertwine, and, you know, they... They seem unrelated, and you meet up with the other characters at some point, and their stories do start to, like, ravel together, and I don't think that's a word, um, but you know what I mean. Yeah. They braid together and become become part of the same story. Um, Octopath 2, I feel like it at least does something in the beginning where it sort of sets up like the obvious way in which all of the characters are going to be related like you you hear a story towards the beginning of the game that's basically like there were eight people a long time ago who worked together to seal away this big evil and you're like ah i bet the eight of us are going to be the new version of those eight people (laughs) um but it ends up being a whole lot more interesting than that and just all these very unrelated seeming things that happen throughout the game just sort of come together really beautifully in the end. And like, oh, that that was related to this whole plot this whole time. Like how I would have never seen that coming. And I, I thought that um, I thought it just did a really good job with that. Also, some of the best music yeah. in a JRPG in a really long time, like really, really well done battle music. Um, I'm I have boss music from that game stuck in my head pretty often. Like it's it's very, very good. Um, so 
super awesome experience. I think it's in the same way that like remakes are dinged. I think it's dinged a little bit by Octopath Traveler 1 existing because it's just kind of a worse version of this game. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's in my top four for sure. It's really, really good. Do we? Great case. Thank you. That's exactly what I was looking for for Octopath. <laughs> um, how are we feeling about locking in the bubbles of the tens? Does anything else need to slide up or down the elevator here? Or is everybody in their can, arena? Can I, can I get, and this is, I truly just want a temperature reading. Yeah. Um, how do people other than me feel about Lies of P? Uh, oh, because is. it is my number three. It is I, I, my... I enjoyed it. It's my number six. Mm, okay. Okay. Is that your temperature, Jacob? Do you feel like you get it? Uh, Jeff, um, did, did you try it? I did. I didn't particularly love it. Okay. That's temperature. I guess it's cool as a temperature. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this I, I guess, yes. my partner said, make sure Jacob and Janet fight for Eliza P, please. <laughs> I guess he I, really wants to see it. It's I, the I, game I'm everyone wondering... wants to love, but most of those people aren't on the call. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, I'm wondering if that could be the number 10. Mm. Uh, mm. 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 I... That's what I'm kind of thinking, too. I kind of was thinking that, but it's not my fight to make, so I was being quiet, but I'm glad that it's happening. I feel bad because I, I feel like it just seems like I hate Chia. I like that game. I really enjoy <laughs> it. I, I want to go it. back. But yeah, I think, I don't know. It's funny. And then I'm in a weird spot, like kind of opposite of you, Jacob, where I don't have such a storied history with these types of games. So in a way, I'm like, does me liking it mean the game is actually bad? No, you, <laughs> like, this is good. You hated no, Elden like, Ring. Like, I love that you like this game. Yeah. The fact so, that you like it, Janet, makes me want to play it. This is my, my Goobies moment. You know, it's like there's vampire survivors and I'm like, I'm playing this weirdo thing over here that's right. kind of a clone, but is doing its own thing in a way that makes it distinctive. But yeah, Lies of P, it's it's the first game of this ilk that I feel like I don't have to message everyone in my life to explain it to me. Um, I asked for one piece of advice from like a, you know, one of my peers who's reviewing it on like, hey, how should I like spec my build for like the really basic abilities? And that's it. Everything else has been really chill. I think they, I kind of talked about this last episode, I think, but the way they onboard you, it's the first time I really felt onboarded in a game like this. I think a lot of times it's very much a, a lore and mechanics dump. I think they add just enough, um, I don't want to say like ease to it, but to a degree, right? Every time even updates drop for this game, they're like, oh, we nerfed this enemy. I was like, yeah, keep going. The longer I take to beat it, the easier it'll be. <laughs> but true. it's just... I think the combat is really fun and simple. I think the strategies you can employ invite you to explore them, um, both in the weapon construction that you can do and also just the way that you can sort of take those weapons and tool sets and experiment on different enemy types with it. Like when I figured out by myself how to kill the optional like hard enemy in front of the elevator and I'm like, oh, if you grapple them, you can have just enough time to walk around and do like a super... Like, it's kind of like a strike attack that brings down a lot of HP. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And I figured this out myself and I did it and I was able to do it. And I feel like I get that a lot of people have that experience in, you know, other Souls games or other Souls likes and maybe feel like they had that experience in a better way. But for me, this is one of the few games where I felt like I had that. I felt like it's fun. I think the checkpointing is very generous. I think it just 
it removes just enough friction where it's like, I think so many of us who haven't gotten into Souls games are like, I want to do it, but the game doesn't let me. And I think this yes. is the first game that <laughs> it hasn't taken me out yet. And I haven't beaten it yet, largely in part because this game stresses me the hell out to play. Like, I'm like, <laughs> all right, time to get the heart rate up. Like, I, you know, I'm like, ah, do I want to go back and just start profusely sweating on my sofa for like 45 minutes while I play this? <laughs> but the answer is kind of yes. Like, I, I love this game. I think it's fantastic. And that's not even getting into the aesthetics of it. We got... Yeah our freaking butterflies flying around and we're a donkey head playing the piano. Like Mm. this is a really good video game and I would love to see it in the top 10, but at the same time, it's also not that deep, but I mean, I like it more than Chia, which again, I I feel like Chia is just getting, if you and Jacob both like it more than Chia, I mean, I can, I can live with that. Janet, I'm curious how you sat down and started this game. Cause I also like have barely dabbled in from software games, but hearing how much you like it makes me want to try. Like what made you go, okay, I'll try. I kind of try to try almost everything. Like if it's a, if it's not insanely out of my wheelhouse, there are some things that like, I won't play at all because I'm like, you know, I'm not going to be able to wrap my head around this. Like fighting games. Like I never play like when street fighter comes out, I'm like, that's people's thing. But also just the, a lot of people compare this game to, I think Sekiro is the comparison point. Bloodborne, right? right? Bloodborne. Um, but but also the combat is very much Sekiro and Bloodborne. Like, yeah. Oh, I get, and this is probably just because I don't have the background of Sekiro and Bloodborne, but I I got Demon Souls vibes from this in terms of it being okay to like, which they're all kind of intertwined, but just the the speed of it feels very approachable. I feel like the grind is very easy to do because of the checkpointing system where this game's version of Souls, like it's easy for me to grind for that because I can constantly like re-checkpoint. And I get for some players that might be boring, but for me, I've always had to, grind anyway so like i think all of that and then just the the onboarding i think the ease of at which you can bring um i forget that their term for it but like your npc helper person can come in really easily you get that item a lot in the game so it's not like as stressful to invoke as it is in other um titles and yeah i just think it's it is the most approachable and understandable version of this um you know so i kind of went into this like let me guess, like another one that, you know, I might kind of bounce off of. But I think just also the fact that it doesn't start out too, too difficult and kind of scales nicely where now I'm in too deep. But now that I'm in deeper, I'm capable enough to do the things that it's asking me to do is really the appeal point for me and why I've stuck with it uh, versus like, you know, I've tried like, well, long and other titles. And I'm like, I just usually don't end up seeing those through. But this one I'm really intrigued by. Yeah, I mean, she want to try it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's very notable that it's the one that stands out amongst those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved it up. It's it's at the 10 spot. Bump Chia down to the bottom 10. That that feels right to folks? I like that better. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I only don't like Chia and Venba next to each other just because they sound similar and aren't super dissimilar. Yeah, like well, levels of cuteness. Yeah, we can shuffle those. We can shuffle those. But by and large, for the buckets of the top 10, bottom 10, are we feeling good? This feels good. I feel great. I love it. I like those buckets. Ooh, buckets. great buckets. Hey, uh, Kyle, do you know how this whole thing operates? <laughs> Is it bio breaks again? No, this time actually it's Patreon. Patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Find the tier that's right for you. And again, if you're a supporter, any tier, not only can you submit questions on any regular episode of the MinMax Show podcast and win a great prize uh, from IM8Bit, but also you can vote for your 
top games of the year and we'll come up with a great big hive mind for what the community thinks should actually be the 210. They can say, actually, you're wrong. And these are the reasons why you're wrong. And we appreciate that. But only if it's coming through that forum. Uh, but thank you to some of MinMax's biggest supporters. I'm talking about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why, of course, it's America's number one meal kit. Leo, you know when it's time huh. to cook and you're like, it's, and you look at your partner and you say, darling, it's cooking time. What's what's the well, what's the thrice, biggest thrice a day, my friend? <laughs> what's the biggest pain in the ass? What's the part that you dread the most after you say that sentence? Uh, the dishes. The dishes. Right, right, right. Well, with HelloFresh, they'll <laughs> you can eat right out. Of, you can eat out of the bag. <laughs> if you don't cook the ingredients, you can just treat it like a little horse trough and just shove your head in the bag. Bag open and lay it flat. Eat from the bag. <laughs> Yeah, because, hey, whether your resolution uh, this year is to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. You can say hello to your most delicious year yet. Oh, that sounds tempting. With fresh ingredients and chef craft recipes at a price you'll like delivered right to your door. Uh, so, here. Haley, you can have one. If you go oh. to HelloFresh.com slash MinMaxFree and use code MinMaxFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash MinMaxFree with the code MinMaxFree. Is also, there a little asterisk by that, I wonder, that says something legalese? I don't legalese? see it. I don't see it. Um, but it's as long as you have <laughs> the subscription. Give you breakfast for life. But as long as the subscription is active. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. <laughs> Legally, they know what they're doing, Haley. Just like Notion, everybody. Notion. <sighs> All right, you got Notion. Wait, I actually love Notion. Are you kidding me, Sarah? Why? Oh, is it like the web browser? Like the Project Workspace thing? Yes! Ooh, hey, why? Please. Hang on. Is it, um, should I, we put it on the top 10? I actually would. I use it a lot. I use it for wow. literally everything in my life. Um, you can, like, make like to-do lists you can like put all your information in it i like it because you can like make like drop down menus of things and like different pages and it's all organized on the left side um i have like a little work section and then i have like just general plan section you can put your calendar in there and like link it to other places i think it's one of the best like project management apps that i've used i would like i love this thing Jesus. i like, you put emojis in it you can put cool little like gifs as like headers so, like you open your calendar and there's like a cool gif there I love it. The aesthetics are very high. On yeah, the, like, the customization of this is like just off the chart. There we go. That's Notion, everybody. When your project gets more complex, finding what you're looking for across your entire workspace, it gets harder. That's where Notion uh, Q&A comes in. It answers any questions you have, making use of your entire database of knowledge to help make sure the answers are actually helpful. And with Notion AI, Ocean, uh, Notion AI can now give you instant answers to your questions using information from across your wiki, projects, docs, and meeting notes. Whatever question you have, Leo, uh, as long as it's in your your doc somewhere, Notion AI will find it for you. You can also ask Q&A questions from anywhere in Notion, so you can find exactly what you need without leaving the doc you're in right now and stay focused on what's important. You can try All Notion... questions are kind of Q&A questions. I guess that's true. Try Notion AI for free when you go to Notion.com slash MinMax. That's all lowercase letters, Notion.com slash MinMax to try the powerful, easy-to-use Notion AI today. When you use the MinMax link, you're supporting the show directly, so Notion.com slash MinMax to keep them around. Also, shout out to the Juggernaut, the 
20,000 pound elephant in the room. I'm talking about <laughs> I am 8-bit. Oh, 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 elephant. Oh, oh, oh. I'm 8-bit here, everybody. They want you to pre-order the Persona 3 portable vinyl soundtrack and the Persona 4 golden vinyl soundtrack. It's available for pre-order in their store with beautiful album art by Drew Wise. But otherwise, of course, it's the Atlas sound team that put these things together. As with all of these vinyls that I'm 8-bit's wonderful online store, they look incredible. The Persona 3 uh, portable soundtrack in particular is just a cool pink vinyl with a gun on the front. It looks awesome. Uh, so you can check it out along with everything else in I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store. If you go to I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store, we have links below for all these things. You can use the promo code MORESLAYBELLS to get 10, uh, 10% off of everything under $100. So shout out to I Am 8-Bit for supporting us. Moving into 2024. Very exciting. Thank you, I Am 8-Bit. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now we just got to order these suckers. Uh, frame reference again. Two tens up top. We got Hitman Freelancer, Baldur's Gate 3, Alan Wake 2, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Sea of Stars, Hi-Fi Rush, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Dave the Diver, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Lies of P. Then bottom two tens, number 11 going down, Chia, Venba, Chance of Sonara, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Future Redeemed, Octopath Traveler 2, City Skylines 2, The Making of Karateka, Shadow Gambit, The Cursed Crew, Armored Core 6, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Um, all right, bottom 10. The No Man's Land, they call it. Um, just, Stinky bottom bucket. Just the just the uh, the slander of what the bottom ten represents. It's <laughs> like we all knew something. it, but did we have to say the quiet part out loud? That right, crust, <laughs> the crusty yeah. bubble. Yeah, this is the bottom gross crust. There was also a hundred other games that like didn't make it. <laughs> I know. Thinking about yeah. right now too. <laughs> um, let's see what seems out of line. I uh, I think is chances are a bit high. What? Oh, I thought it could go higher. Oh really? To be honest, I, yeah. I just I think of like where Chance of Snar is at, and I'm thinking of like the the passion projects of like you know Xenoblade Chronicles Three Future Redeemed, which Kelsey is gaga over, or the other yeah, but you know, multiple people like Chance of Snar, and yeah? I yeah. thought there was a really good discussion about it. Uh, yeah, they said they wanted Chance of Snar to teach them a real language, which yeah. is like pretty <laughs> passionate. <laughs> that is true. What okay. if I had a, here's a little anecdote for Chance of Sonar, because those always hit better than just like word vomit or whatever. I like, found this guy <laughs> and he was like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I have no idea what he's saying. And he said me something, something. I was like, gosh, I wish I knew what this man said. And then I went off and I did a bunch of other stuff and I learned the language. And it, it was like, yeah, you learned this type of people's language. I was like, yippee, I'm going to go see what that guy said. And so it was me like love music. And then the game, like, conjugates things and, and, like, actually makes it into a nice flowing sentence for you. So it was, I love music. And then I noticed he was, like, dancing next to a guy with a guitar. So I was like, of course yeah. he loves music. How did I not notice this? <laughs> and it's just, like, the weirdly most satisfying thing to be like, oh, I connected with this human being. I know he likes music. I was like, yay. And before he was just like, ba ba ba. And I was like, okay, bye. And then all of a sudden it was a person when I came back because I understood him. Like, it yeah. was just such a nice moment. And it's, that game is just that, but all the time. And it's just I a do rewarding, think- nice thing. To everywhere, there's like so many smart design decisions that they made. I think this game easily could have been kind of hell on earth. Like, I think it's mm. still a really cool idea, but I think with a few wrong moves, it would just be kind of annoying to play in terms of what you have to do. But they really remove and streamline all of the experiences, like to what Haley was saying, where it's so cool that they don't just take like the raw translation and they also like put in your guesses too. Like, if I, if I guessed, you know, loves food instead of music, it would say like, I love food or I like he loves he slash loves whatever. Food. Yeah. And then it's like, and it also, which also leads to really like funny moments. Like I, cause you're trying to guess what the language is too. So I talked to somebody and they were like, 
I'm here to buy a woman. I'm like, that's not right. This is no, uh, that must be a different kind of game if this is in here. And then I'm like, okay, well, obviously this can't be what he's saying. So you kind of have these like constant checks. And I think the game really does a cool job playing with the ways that you engage with the language because there's also like things that surprised me. Like there'd be a moment where um, you have to, you're kind of like undercover and they're like, oh, pick up this, you know, give me an apple. There's like a bunch of baskets of fruit. And I'm like, man, I'm glad I know that he's saying apple. Because if not, like, I'd get found out during this time. So I think they also really experiment with how they language check you. But yeah, my, my passion for Chance of Sonar is, is super high. Um, but I think there's also a lot of interesting passions in this bottom 10 chunk. Like, I could see... Well, I don't want to say what I could see moving up, but I just feel like other, I don't know, there's other titles, right? Yeah. But like, maybe like I mean, Chance, Xenoblade Chance. 3's 300 hours is very intriguing as well. So those kind of stick out to me. <laughs> Which yeah, hour is your but favorite? But it's already at 14. This is good at 14. I, I'm wondering, Venba. Let's just cement what we have and walk away. Is Chance of Sonar, does that feel right below Venba? For people that have played both? Um, I kind of like it more than... Themba because it's just it's giving me this this feeling that I haven't really felt while playing a game in a while. I don't even know if it, it's just it's so rewarding to get things right in this game because it's just like you're solving puzzles, yeah, but it's more like this weird subhuman experience of feeling seen and like understanding something outside of yourself. Like it truly feels like when you enter a new area and you're le- learning a new language, everything's scary and you're like, oh, like that feeling of someone yelling at you in in a language you don't know and you're like, what do you want from me? Ah, I just want to, what do you want? I'll help you, like whatever. <laughs> and then as soon as and then once you like are around the people, you talk to someone, you realize, oh like that kind of makes sense and another thing that i really liked about this game is it also is clear that people who like came up with the fake language are like linguists or they have like a history with like being like like learning about that because the iconography for the words is really interesting like it'll make sense with how they've drawn the symbols it's not just random symbols like journey or something that's just like four dots whatever it'll be like you learn like what death is and then graveyard is like death inside of a box. And I'm mm. like, and I didn't learn graveyard from like going to a graveyard. I learned it because I looked at it and I was like death inside something. And I was like coffin. So at first I put coffin. And then when I was in a graveyard, the sign over top was death in the box. I was like, oh, it means graveyard. And like there's just, like really moments cool. like that too. And awesome. so like you don't necessarily have to talk to everybody sometimes to understand a word. It can just be looking at how their language is typefaced. And understanding the rules, like plurals are two in a row instead of like, so if you say people, it's just like people, people or like person, person, something. It's like that means people are doing blah, blah, blah. Like there's a lot of really interesting stuff like that, that I think only comes from people on the team who are making this game, having a background in the science of understanding languages and stuff, which I thought was really cool. Fine, I put it on my wish list. <laughs> nice. You got Yay. me. I mean, Sometimes you have to walk back and forth for a long time, and that is my only dig That's against true. the game. Okay. I do think they have a fast travel they build in, but I will say there's times where I'm like, can they narratively bake in me being able to magically teleport? Because like <laughs> it's a little long. But yeah, I mean, I echo everything you say, Haley. I think it it is such, maybe it's like the education background in me, but it is such a fun look at at how you learn about something like um, karateka yeah yeah i mean i think they both like like kelsey's what was the comment that you made like this is a, a smart game for smart i don't know if Chance, well i guess chances is kind of a smart game for smarties but i can still enjoy it if, are we moving venbo below chances i mean that feels right if people have played both 
I mean, I, I love I Venba, love, but I love Venba, but Chances and I really truly gave me a unique feeling that, that yeah. I, I, I feel like I appreciate and that sure. I would want to bump it up a little bit for that. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. As someone who hasn't played it, but has played Venba, seems fine. I, I love how mechanically ambitious y'all are making it sound. Yeah. I hate to do this, but emergency uh, timeout. We have a, no, we're all good. Don't worry. <laughs> but we have an update from Kyle Bossman, a follow-up email. Um, scared me. Where he says, or my sincere response, I just realized this one was missing too. If you think this one is better, go with this if it's not already too late. So don't read the Final Fantasy 16 one. <laughs> Oh, immortals of avium finally uh, uh, he says street fighter 6 says kyle bossman one of the best fighting games of all time came out this year the hands down best in class roster of characters returning and original are distinguished in both visual and design oh in both visual design and distinct functionality they've got mechanics and simplified controls to make bad players like me feel like i'm doing something there's there's that absolutely stupid but still worth it globetrotting campaign mode. But I think what really stands out, uh, what really makes it stand out to me from a design standpoint is that it's a genuine thrill to spectate. I mean, it's not City Skylines 2, but probably worth the attention of fans of the genre. <laughs> Taking shots well, one more time. If it's not City Skylines 2, what am I even doing? In right, 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 right. Okay, cool. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it. Uh, okay. What else looks egregious in that bottom list, everybody? I think it's a great, I think it's great. I, <laughs> I, I mean, Jacob, I, I, is Armored Core 6 a bit please. low? I, yeah, it, is it, is it weird that Karateka is splitting the number one passion projects for like half people and then the other number you know, one or number two passion projects are below it. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I, I'm okay with it being at 19, honestly, just given the passion of everybody else's uh, picks above that for, um, I mean, it's, it's below city skyline two, but above shadow gambit and armored core six. I mean, Leo was ready to let us feel random. Yeah, I hear you, but Leo was ready to let shadow gambit die a horrible death last week until we, was we, he? Yeah, he was. <laughs> And I think Just we'll all Leo remember is a nice that guy. graciousness later. Uh-huh. <laughs> no one is going to forget a single moment here. Um, I mean, Sarah was willing to let city skylines die, too. Right? Just because people are nice, I don't know that, that that changes this weird dynamic of some of them are... So you want all of the solo passion projects bundled together. I think that's weirder, isn't it? I just, I just don't know why... Karateka is more higher than some passions versus other passions. Singular passions is where it feels weird. Sure. To me. I mean, is a way of going about this. I mean, Armored Core is currently sitting at 19. Uh, Jacob, are you feeling okay about that? Or how are you feeling about that? It, I would love to see it higher. I'm also eaten good with this list so far so i kind of don't want to push my luck um but like (laughs) i you know armored core 6 is is my number four um i think uh you know i i think it is an exceptionally well-made polished uh intriguing thematically game like i i basically gave my pitch for it uh, last week so i don't i don't have like that much more to say about it um but i you know, like I do recognize its its nicheness and like 
I'm, you know, I I don't know. It's I'm not heartbroken that it's 19. I'm really happy that it's on the list. I mean, we're talking niche and we're talking about the making of Karateka. I mean, that's about as niche as you yeah, can Yeah, but get. it's like I I love from like an ideological perspective Karateka. You know, like even even having not played it, I think that game is so cool and I'm really happy to have it on the list. So like I I don't want to push that lower if okay. you know. Um, I'm, to, I'm not I'm not fighting for it to go down. To appease Jeff um I've moved Making of Karateka to number 18, Shadow Gambit okay, now at well, 17. Okay, now I want it. <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is this feeling better, Jeffum? I, you know, it's... I guess I will say it's, it's a weird argument, Jacob, to say, like, I would like to see it higher, but I'm happy that my other games that I think we all agree should be higher are already higher. Like, I don't know that you need to, to like... It, it it feels like people are being very polite and making sacrifices, um, and I just want to get an order that I that I guess makes sense. Yeah, to some degree. What what? But what was Karateka on your list, Hanson? It's four. In the spirit of not being polite, <laughs> do it. Finally, Xenoblade Three and Octopath Traveler Two are both solo passion projects yes. and they are right next to each other yes. higher than everyone else's solo I, passion projects. That's yep. totally projects. fair. Yep. I yep. think I get away with that because RPGs are big games and people just like generally have this idea that like, well, yeah, if I put that investment into it, then I would probably feel the same way too. Right, right. And I, I think I honestly get away with a lot because of that <laughs> feeling. Let me tell um, you what you would feel if you invested in being in a mecha for 40 hours. <laughs> I, I tried, but um, I watched my partner play through it, if that counts. Um, it's a cool-looking game. Um, what are we yeah, proposing I mean, here? I, I, think, I think it's totally fair to think that Xenoblade and Octopath are too high, just given that they are also solo passion projects. I mean, that being said, like I, I think there's something to be said for... like most satisfying payoff of a decade's worth of RPGs. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's something there, but I... Um, Have we gone into detail about that already? What exactly that payoff is? Um, with, with spoilers? I, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's difficult to... Like, even with spoilers, it would be difficult to um, convey the entirety of you know, three whole video games worth of stuff. But I mean, the, mm-hmm. do you want spoiler? Yeah, let's do it. I can give it like at least a broad yes. premise. Love that. Spoilers for Xenoblade yeah. 3, everybody, the DLC. Here we go. Check the time codes if you want to skip ahead. So the premise of the Xenoblade series that only becomes clear after you're basically to the end of Xenoblade Chronicles 2, after playing through all of Xenoblade Chronicles 1, um, is that there are... There are a couple of worlds that were created as a result of, like, Xenoblade takes place in sort of the real world, technically. Like, there is a real Earth, and a real scientist got weird and greedy and decided to create an entire new world, and a lot of stuff got really messed up because of that decision. So these worlds were essentially created. You play through all of Xenoblade Chronicles 1. It takes place in this, like created world the scientist in question is kind of split between them he's still like sort of alive just pulling the strings and some of this stuff in this like eternal um i don't know if i'd call it a prison but like it this just eternal like he's still there conscious um 
And these are things that don't start actually connecting until you've played through entire games um, multiple, and then you start being able to kind of piece these things together. Um, Xenoblade, oh gosh, this is a... <laughs> Sorry, I I feel like I'm going to butcher this very, very long thing. But um, you have all of these different worlds that you find out kind of all actually existed together simultaneously. And you're putting things kind of back together the way they were before things got really messed up. Um, But it is absolutely never framed that way. It's framed through these very, like siloed experience of like well this part of my world that i've grown up in that has always been just my reality and as far as i know goes back you know thousands and thousands and thousands of years and then you get to the end of it and there's like you you slot one little piece of the puzzle in there and by the time you've gotten to the end of the third one you can see that there's these like okay these are all clearly connected but like how did this actually how did this all happen how did these people um, you know, how are the realities like intermingling with each other and, and how do these all fit together? And the uh, DLC for three is, I mean, it's it's just essentially taking like what is the catalyst for all three of those and you're finally putting all the pieces together. This still feels very vague, but I don't really no. know. No, that's fine. And so vague. you're like interacting <laughs> with that guy again, the weird entity um, dude who you, made this all happen? No, so technically it's like the computer of that guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. <it> yes. <laughs> who is split into like, there's a, there's a, the, con- the version of the computer that like has a conscience and one that is just the like raw machine that is like, well, we can just kind of hit reset and then everything's fine because, you know, it, every human is just a human. It doesn't matter. We'll just reset the whole thing and then you have, uh, the like human version of that that is kind of split off from that. It's this sounds insane when I'm trying. To no, 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 no. I, I was intrigued. Um, help me out because I was watching the trailer again, and they have like was it the Zohar? Like going back to like Xenogears and stuff, right? Is this There's, so? I I have not played Xenogears, but there the concept of the conduit, as I understand, goes back to Xenogears. Like okay. that is a, a thing. I as far as I know, they don't literally interact but they are very similar concepts and there's uh, there's there's some similar stuff going on it feels a little bit like alan wake 2 nodding to like we don't have the rights to these games but we're gonna kind of hint that there's some connections here okay so that type of thing all right spoilers done i think so okay um cool sarah what would you slide on that bottom what? What would you slide on the bottom list? <laughs> Excuse me? What would I slide <laughs> on, on From where? What do, you, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Just, what would you move on the list, Sarah? Nothing. It's really? fine. Okay. I just was making sure you weren't like, say Skylines 2 needs to be above Kelsey's deal, RPGs or I'm going to riot. Um, I, I, I guess if, if we need to split up Xenoblade and Octopath Traveler, like that makes perfect sense to me. Um, I we can't. It just feels both- arbitrary. Like I don't know. You know, it's, if someone is making a case that another game should go between them, but just because they're two RPGs next to each other doesn't feel like wow, that's impossible on a list. You know? Yeah. Would you fight for that with Shadow Gambit? 
I not not for my own sake, but from the temperature of the conversation, I feel like Octopath Traveler two maybe could go down one or two, or maybe it's more that Armored Core six should go up. I feel like I, Armored Core I'm six should go up. Certainly, I'm more persuaded by Xenoblade's pitch than Octopath Traveler's. It's mm-hmm. hard because I'm just operating on you know how good Kelsey is at communicating how cool these games are. <laughs> um, but I would love for Armored Core to go up. I think it's a really good game. I'm going to do something, and if anybody wants to scream about it, now is the time. I have moved Armored Core 6 to number 15, and I've split the RPGs in twain. <laughs> Does this seem okay for folks? All right, this list right now is number 11, Chia, number 12, Chance of Sonar, number 13, Vemba, 14, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Future Redeemed, number 15, Armored Core 6, Fires Rubicon, number 16, Octopath Traveler 2, number 17, City Skylines 2, number 18, Shadow Gambit, The Cursed Crew, number 19, The Making of Karateka, and number 20, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Feels about right? Yeah. Wow. Lock All right. it in. Tidy. Lock it. Here we go, everybody. The two tens, number one. Now, I was saving this a little bit, um, but we're, when we're talking about solo passion projects, I feel like we're all dancing around the fact that a near, near solo passion project is currently sitting at number one on this list with Hitman Freelancer. Uh-oh. I know. Huh. I know. I'm devaluing Haley's experience. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Haley, you, you are a fan, as far as I understand it, of Hitman Freelancer, and it's one of those games that you want to spend more time with and want to love more, but everything you have played, you loved. Is that the fair read here, ma'am? Hitman Freelancer is the best roguelike ma- ever made. Ever made? Yes. Hang yep. on. Can it you, is. Can you show the I'm... text that Leo sent you to, send, to say that? That's... <laughs> wow. <laughs> It's really easy for me to agree with that because i don't like that genre so i'm like i believe this comment <laughs> very easily like call to the limb was my game of the year last year and and this it just absolutely dummies every other rogue like like hades yeah yeah okay all of them name another one i'll say yeah, uh, yeah God of War correct because uh-huh. <laughs> uh, i haven't played that but yeah undermine looks like dog is what you're saying Spelunky is Yeah, and I played 50 hours of that game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so all right, this is far from a solo passion project, is is the case you're making, Haley. I really love this. I think like uh like I was well, where really is it on your list, Haley? Do I need where to give is it a, on the list? Do yeah. I need to give a number? Will that shatter the illusion? Like how do we how do we play the top ten? Because I feel like as soon as we start saying numbers, does it get really mathematical or i don't want it to get like, mathematical i think it helps to make some choices it, all games are great but we need some clarity on where this sits know. amongst yeah. your other top games this is so hard for me because i love these top four games so much like truly like i love them all like i really love them all like zelda's at the bottom but these three the top three are like hard for me it's alan make two welders gate three and hitman freelancer for people listening thank uh, you sorry now I've noticed if this was a court of law, I would say, Your Honor, she's dodging the question. Where is Hitman Freelancer <laughs> on your top ten list, Haley? It's number three. Okay. Yeah, all right. Okay. Mm. Oh, hey. All yeah. right. Okay. Perfect. Um. So, I mean, Leo, badgering the witness. Yeah, you've you've been sitting pretty. <laughs> you've been seeding this the entire time. You diabolically asked to go first, and it was such a smart move because Hitman Freelancer has Who been. Who did he ask? He has a DM last episode. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he just volunteered. Can I go first? And then we like Interesting. went. Interesting. Yeah. In a little snake he, after yeah. Him. I guess nobody else wants to go. I guess I'll rush in and save everyone real quick. But hey, shrewd, Leo, 
how much hyperbole can you lob at this experience is, is what I'm asking. Uh, no hyperbole, unfortunately. It'll just be a straight oh. uh, reading of my emotions on it. Smart right. answer. That <laughs> I was a total gotcha question. Dodged a bullet there. <laughs> Damn it. Yep. He's already won. <laughs> Stop the count. I've never fought for a Leo pick to be number one ever. And I never will again. But I will be so surprised <laughs> if I ever enjoy a game again as much as I enjoy Hitman Freelancer. Again on planet Earth. Again on planet Earth. Whoa. If I can take you off for a little journey, it might not all sound relevant, but I just ask that you close your eyes and come with me for a moment. Okay, I'm ready. It's 2016. Oh, that's not this year. Kyle's eyes are open, Leo. <laughs> Kyle, you yeah, left the journey. Eyes, gonna, if I close my eyes, I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> Join us for the journey, Kyle. It's 2016. A new game comes out that's not necessarily your thing, but it looks neat, and so you check it out. And guess what? It's your favorite game ever. It becomes the bar by which you judge all other games. You wonder why other games don't do the things it's doing, or more specifically, why other games don't try to make you feel the way this game makes you feel. It's 2018. The sequel comes out. The whole first one's in it, plus new stuff, plus it's better. You put in almost as many hours into it, but you're dwindling a little bit. It's 2021. The third game comes out. You like it, you know it's good, you admire it, but your heart just isn't singing for it the way it used to. Hansen asks you in the Game of the Year discussion to list the new features. You can't even think of any. That's <laughs> <laughs> humiliating. Then to the start of 2022, January. They announce a roguelike mode, which is up your alley in this, in, in this imagined scenario. Make sure you really imagine you like it. <laughs> so you redownload the game to prepare, to practice, because it seems like it's going to be a higher stakes mode. And over the course of this full year of 2022, you play so much of this game, you fall deeper in love with it than you ever have, you feel ashamed that when the first one was your favorite game of all time, you still didn't like it enough. You still didn't really even get what was so great about it. And you're still starting to scratch the surface of what it's giving you. Then January 2023, this is a January game that I'm still playing every week. January 2023... The roguelike mode comes out, and it is a hundred times better than the game has ever been. <laughs> That's how much I love this. <laughs> Whoa. Can we open our eyes? Uh, do we get to open our eyes now? 100 times better. 100 times better. I can't Isn't overstate. the best thing ever? The, I, I still go back to the regular content, the legacy content or whatever. I still enjoy it. I still enjoy what it gives me. But... I start to see how limiting it was. Right. Versus the way this has every single one of the game's hundreds of items all had their distinct purpose and moments and anecdote generating ability. That looking back at the previous most freeing creative sandbox in video games, it now looks limiting compared to this. Are we talking about Tears of the King? We're talking about Hitman still? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Leo, can can you just give a primer of what Hitman Freelancer is? Like, I understand it's a ro it's a rogue like mode of 
of like that trilogy. They took that trilogy and turned it into a roguelike mode. But is it is it like the same levels? Is it that you're going through? I I'm yeah. unaware of like kind of the core premise and and uh, what's new. It's it's all the same maps. The new map is the home base, the home you're working out of. A lot of the progression is just getting different cosmetics for your home, different furniture or like music. You walk up to the music player and change what genre of music is playing over your your PA system. But you uh, bounce between the game's missions in a way that is uh, continuously immersive. It's like it's one long flow. It's the same maps, but you're traveling through them and coming back from them in a way that is part of like one canon story if you die you'll get loading screens of 47 hiding from the police by the side of the road and then you get back to your base and he's suturing himself up on the table or if you win a mission he's just like happily chilling playing chess with his computer on a victory or if you like escape a mission and don't kill the targets but you don't die there's unique stuff for that too it doesn't just play a death one when you fail the mission it's like him pensive in his apartment on a rainy night it all it all flows together completely cohesively in a way that you'll do a mission on one map, get your ass kicked, and then three hours later go back to that map and have a big victory on it. And it's like one big arc and one big story that makes these things really satisfying because that's the big change is the stakes. You have things you are losing now. If you drop your gun and don't pick it up, it's there for good. And you spent money on it. If, I'll talk more about the new stuff in it. Probably the biggest new thing is that there is an in-game economy now. You're earning currency in a bunch of different ways by doing objectives and by cracking open safes that are totally new and in a bunch of different places, a bunch of different ways to open them. There are new enemy types in the showdowns, assassins and lookouts that really change how you approach those missions. Those showdowns are like nothing that has ever been in the game before. You're sweating during those. You're like, everything matters because if you die, you're dead. Like I so cheeked the save functionality in the main game because you just like, oh, I freaked up. Back to the save. If you mess up on those missions, it's like it you are running for your life to avoid getting shot. It's like you actually care, which is like exactly what Leo's saying. It makes yes. it it makes it matter for the first time in that game's history. And he's like, in, in the main game, you may as well try to f- shoot your way out of everything or whatever. You may as well just brute force it, see when the last autosave was. It's probably five minutes ago at the latest. But now it's like, do I even try this thing because what's on my person and the stakes matter to me so much. And so everything is this calculated risk and it's, it's kind of the same systems. I mean, you know, similar systems, bunch of new systems, but given this new weight to every single decision you're making, that makes everything so uh, satisfying when you pull it off. And when you fail to pull something off, it's still a learning experience. I think people rob themselves of something in this mode when they alt F4 and undo their, their loss at the last second, because it's really like I said, all part of one story, and that includes you learning from what you did wrong, learning about the area you were in and what you didn't expect, and your brain is constantly cycling with, yeah, what I could do differently next time, and you'll maybe get the chance. The other thing I want to say about this, of the next 300 things I want to say about this, yeah. is <laughs> I still get my ass kicked in it. I'm 200 hours in. I'm getting my ass kicked. I still get my ass campaign. <laughs> thousand in this game i, I saw that the hitman is that is that like max level here no, no. max like eight thousand i think and i got yeah at least 500 this year <laughs> but Jesus. i i it's not i don't lose because it's unfair i i lose because it's continuously generating scenarios for me that i haven't solved before 
there's no one size fits all solution the way there is in the main game. You'll get really attached to your your favorite way of doing things, the most reliable way of doing things. And this one, you might not have a silenced pistol. You probably won't for the first few hours. And that's like number one hitman crutch is a silenced pistol. But you have to find out other ways to get through all these scenarios than the ones you're used to. It's constantly... I've waffled on whether people who are new to Hitman should try Freelancer because it is so hard. It's kind of like the end game content, really, yeah. for people who know the game really well. But I do think it teaches you the game way faster than anything else because it is constantly giving you new things to do, constantly pushing you into these arenas, both literally pushing you into parts of the map you haven't been before, but also to like ways of thinking about it you haven't had to conquer before. I love it. And so and so the the targets are different every every time on every map. Yeah, and those are all new for Freelancer. I've gotten repeats a couple times in my many, many hours. Like, for a fun example, like, yeah, the, the loads are all random. And there was one time I loaded into Paris, and it was, I didn't know who was going to be the person I needed to kill. And for some reason, um, the luck was they all loaded together in a clump. And I had a grenade. So I had a choice to make, and I had like six seconds to make it. Do I chuck the nade at the four of them, and the way to get out is behind me? I could pull this off and be done. Or do I calm down and go in? I chucked the nade, and I died, and I learned my lesson. And the next time I loaded in and I had a grenade, and I maybe a couple of them were clumped, I stopped and thought about it instead of just monkey brain chucking a grenade gr- to, a, <laughs> to a live like show with hundreds of people around me. Your Not grenade killed three it. out of the four of them, and the fourth one was the one who was the suspect. The it's fourth one was around like a corner. That. Yeah. And in those moments, you're like, well, you know, I knew it was a risk, and here I am. I I do have a I've been keeping anecdotes all year about the moments I've been getting into in this game. <laughs> yeah, and love it. Whatever what, you got, man. What are what are showdowns? Because those are like once every few missions. Essentially, you have to uh, you have like four to eight potential targets, and you have to look at them through the camera and see like, okay, I know the target's wearing a hat. I know they've got glasses. Do they or don't they have that? You mark them as not the suspect. I, they've got certain tells. If they do anything besides those tells then they're not the right guy. They have a certain type of meeting. If they have a different type of meeting, you eliminate them. So it's, I wasn't sure how those would last playing the technical test, but I still really enjoy those and still have no problem being really patient, checking everybody off one by one. But I I think really to talk, if I really, the most special thing is the way that the variety of objectives push you into these situations. And those are what I have anecdotes about. For instance, on Haven Island, I had to kill a guy with an unsilenced pistol, which, you know, even if you have an un- a silenced pistol at that point, suddenly, how do I do with an unsilenced pistol? This guy was on the back porch of this evil villain's mansion working the grill. And I said, I could kill him. That's certainly something I'm capable of here, but I'm surrounded by guards. But there is this speedboat exit that's locked. And so the mission then became, wait, is the speedboat key inside this mansion? And so I'm creeping around trying to find the key within this mansion, which is like a totally new objective on this tiny part of this huge map that I haven't had to do before. And then and then by the end, yeah, the unsigned pistol kill wasn't even the mission. I popped him and ran in the speedboat because the mission was getting the key and it was its own satisfying journey stealthing through that through that mansion. And I also I get this so in my head, I think I'm so smart. I think I'm master hitman. Right. And but people just have their own framework for thinking about this game and working through it in a way you can always learn from. I was watching Haley's stream, and she had a target inside one of the houses on Whittleton Creek. 
And I, in my mind, I'm like, okay, so she could hop the fence and go in the back window or else there's a gutter she can climb and sneak down. And she walks up and rings the doorbell and drops an <laughs> explosive on the ground and walks away. <laughs> she comes and answers the door and gets blown up. It's like I never would have thought to do that. That's so but that's good. just the, the, the density of stuff. You are always carving your own path through it. There's one Miami kill where it's on the podium. You can rig the fireworks to explode everybody on the podium. This one happened on a, on a stream of mine. And so I needed a collateral explosive kill for a specific challenge. And I said, well, that guy's on that podium. Can I rig this whole thing? To blow, but wait, it has to, it only goes off when somebody wins the race, so I have to wait till the race is over and wait for them to come up. And then they come up and they're discovering the bodies, and but the fireworks are still gonna go off any second. And I'm in the like booth where tech is working, just watching this on TV. There's like an in-game TV showing the podium for the podium ceremony, watching the actual people walk around in chaos <laughs> and then suddenly getting all blown up. <laughs> it's, it's all these situations that are technically in the main game, but you just don't get in that scenario the way you do here. It, right. it's, it opens it all up. The anecdotes here are reminding me of the way people talk about Baldur's Gate 3 and make me excited about it, but like haven't had those experiences yet. It's like the same kind of thing where I'm like, man, all of that sounds so fun. That sounds so awesome. Ha I don't have any of those. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, I could say the same thing about Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, watching other people yeah. approach puzzles the way that I did and seeing them do it different ways just consistently blew my mind and it's like all the i would i mean we haven't sort of cemented this but the top three games you know on our list are all games that excel at giving players agency to approach it in just ways that we just didn't really play games until this oh, year kyle i don't know if you're so, you're looking at the same top yeah. three yeah, Alan Wake <laughs> well, too? so i like, agree that zelda I, should be above Alan Wake Zelda there, and hitman or what i'm talking about yeah the correct top three um no, it is. I mean, um, excuse I, me, Ben. I, I said the correct top three, <laughs> but that was a positive thing for you, Sarah. Yeah, that was in like, your favor. <laughs> yeah, come on, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help you. I think the way it stands out for me is that it is every damn mission something cool or interesting happens, or you yeah. learn something new. Tears of the Kingdom. I had a lot of time where I wasn't really enjoying it because I didn't really, I, you know, I could have put more into it, more creativity into the solutions I had and probably had a better time, but it just wasn't the, the density of notable experiences that this game has. And I totally think it's fair to say that these are experiences I'm having because I'm this deep in the game and yeah. going for every objective, which you don't even have to do. I just think it's really fun because it keeps doing this stuff for me. But a lot of it is is luck-based, too. There was a time on Dubai where an interesting com combination of three assault rifle kills, three shotgun kills, and don't take any damage. So doing this without getting into combat. And I had a silenced assault rifle, got that fine, and I only had a loud shotgun. So I'm near an exit thinking, how do I get these three kills? Here's two guards. They're looking away from me. I could pop, pop, take care of them pretty good. But then somebody's going to come in here, and I can't guarantee I won't get shot the second they come in the door because I want to get this take-no-damage one. And as I'm standing there looking at these two guards, evaluating my surroundings, the door opens, and a random guard is dragging the body of a guard I killed with the assault rifle through the room, <laughs> just like through the hallway next to us. He's just walking by, focused on his own little task. Just, pr just bringing him, delivering himself to me because of the systems working as intended. And I just got all three of them right next to the exit before anybody came, and it was, it was perfect. And there's a lot of, like... Yeah, L luck is a big factor as well as preparedness. It's a combination. You know, I do think to Tears of the Kingdom's 
detriment, I guess. Like, I I love that game. I haven't played Hitman Freelancer, but like once I figured out how to make my flying machine, I like did not really vary from that flying machine. Mm. You know, like I learned I learned what worked. I certainly I got the power that let you just rebuild the things that you had built before. And like, well, there were things in the dungeons that I experimented with and were like really happy with. I, it, it was it did unfortunately fall back into like I figured out what worked and I kind of did that, which felt even even while I was playing it, I was like, this feels like a missed opportunity for me that I just like had my machine and I was like, this is good. This is what I'll roll with. Yeah, I think that's kind of the the thrill, though, is that you can do that. I mean, would you want to have some option of the game where it's like, okay, if you keep building the same thing, it's going to limit you in some way in terms of the king. Like, it seems like no. if, if they give you complete freedom, I, I that's not really a downside, you know? I think what Jacob's saying is that I wish the game had put me into more situations where building a flying machine wasn't, like, the right solution. Yeah, it I was like, I wish a hoverbike hover bike solves every scenario and because yeah. of that i'm not interacting with like 95 percent of the possibilities in that game because the one that i found just does everything and like that i do wish that it pushed me to do things that weren't that but yeah. you guys are talking explicitly about traversal i mean every shrine i felt like i built something unique to sort of maybe, maybe okay that's maybe true. that's exactly but in the shrines you could I've... just use the bomb arrows on like some of the targets so even the shrines i feel like could were easily exploitable once you found your like this is what i had can do for combat no but i shrines. i i agree with you kyle on the every shrine was cool and unique and i i don't want to take that away but it was you know a, a lot of that game was traversal for me because that's that's what Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom do so well. It's a big open world where you can do anything. Um, but, like, you know, I didn't... After the first, like, 20 hours, I found that I was confronting all the problems of traversal in the same way. And I and, kind yeah. of wish that I wasn't. And just to be clear, that was a little bit of a self-imposed, right? So you are a moron, Jacob? Fast travel, right? I, well, I started fast traveling eventually because I got bored of making the same hover bike and going everywhere but even then you know i like i got all the light routes in the um in in the depths and like i did that by just driving a hover bike from one to the other for like four hours yeah maybe i'm too stupid for not just locking into a hover bike obviously like i used it a couple times you know but it wasn't like well this is the game now is riding on a hover bike by the way people listening we did. It was a fascinating shift away from Hitman Freelancer, but Leo oh, yeah, noted right. and respected, uh, passion, passion digested. Just to put a half of a button on that, but yeah, I am curious to see where everybody's at for uh, Tears of the Kingdom here overall. Like, obviously, this is the this is the section of the show and this entire episode. It's kind of it feels like the part where we try and ding some of the greatest games of the year so i'm always just fascinated by like the first time we started talking about tears of the game i was like ah this sucks this sucks like i don't know if it's just the recency bias situation but like especially going back and like editing clips from for the best of for min max like going back to our deepest dive for tears of the kingdom it's it's been fun to like have that fresh perspective again um like remember may where we all play this game and we said jesus this is a cool weird ass thing that nintendo made this is one of the most bold pieces of game design that's been out there to this degree like i do think and just you know setting the setting the table a little bit here like 
I'm not some Nintendo super fan. You've seen what I've done to our dear friend Mario. I've been <laughs> trying to kick him throughout these entire things. Did you kill Is Mario? Is this all to Did you, you kill Mario <laughs> in order to prove that you weren't a shill? Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's just like, uh, yeah, the departed. Like, look, I'll kill a cop. I swear I'm not an undercover cop. <laughs> uh, so that's a cool natural transition to talking about. Like, yeah, I'm not a Zelda super fan either. Like, I really enjoyed Breath of the Wild, and I still feel like. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills feeling like, did the rest of the world just forget how cool Tears of the Kingdom was? <laughs> like, just the feel like the last couple months, every time this game comes up, it's with a, a negative tone. And it's it has sent me reeling. I think Tears of the Kingdom is awesome. Uh, it's uh, my favorite game of the year, uh, for sure. And I think, like, you know, I think it's the wildest move set in gaming history between Recall, Ascend, Ultra Hand, and Fuse. Like, giving you all of those abilities in the game and they are all abilities that feels like they should completely break the game. And for me, somehow it just feels like it just makes it better. Like giving you all of those tools, giving you that much freedom to rewind time, ascend. I mean, all these things just feel like they would shatter any game. And the fact that the game still works, uh, you know, the you were upset about the, the bike, you know, like, okay, I can build a bike and then I'm using it too much. I get that. But like the fact that the game does not break down with this wild moves that they give you and the fact that it doesn't have to do any of that nonsense that I feel like every other game would do of like, all right, we give these awesome abilities, but we're going to kind of nerf you in this area. In this part of the game, you don't have it actually. And then this it's like, no, we're not limiting you in any way. Like, hey, you can build whatever you want. Okay, but there's going to be some meter for like build meter that's going to deplete over time. No, no, just build the crap. How big can you make it? Go. Like, I just feel like it should be embraced in a huge way and i feel like it has i just am trying to get a read for where everybody else was at for tears of the kingdom don't forget how cool that game was is my thesis yeah, so that was like quarter one uh i am absolutely with you i think ultra hand specifically is the kind of mechanic that comes along like so infrequently that just radically makes me readdress how i look at every other game even ascend i feel that way about yeah. where it's like games that i have played after tears of the kingdom feel lacking after having played tears of the kingdom yeah um yeah they I, they are all abilities that i never want to play another zelda game without having them yeah like that like they were all such game changers for an open world design um that it's like yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know what Nintendo does next with Zelda that isn't going to feel like a letdown if they don't give me that kind of creative freedom. Yeah, and I know like when it came out, there's a lot of like, oh, is it better than Breath of the Wild? I don't know. And like, I've played a lot of Breath of the Wild this year with my nephews, and it is wild to go back to it. Like, it's still obviously an incredible it's game. It's wild to go back. It's <laughs> the Janet joke. She got it. Um, no, but it is like going back. It's like, oh my god, just all these shrines. Like you. You can't do anything. Where's your tools? Like, where's your abilities? And, you know, we talked about it in the deepest dive, but it's just such an awesome feeling. I just felt like I had this sphere of possibility around Link at all times in that game. Like, I know if I just put things together in the right way and start thinking about things in a different way, I feel like I can do absolutely anything in this game. Um, on a physics level, I guess, is a, is a big qualifier there. Um, to, uh, to to share a Hitman-esque anecdote about it, maybe my favorite shrine in the game is one where, the weirdly, the combat shrines went from the weakest part of Breath of the Wild to maybe the strongest part of Tears of the mm, Kingdom in yeah. terms of design. And there's one where you start out and you all your weapons and armor is taken away, 
Um, and they usually give you, you know, they're like, oh, here's, you know, here's the laser shooting zone, I think, and use it to kill them. Uh, but in this, it was only uh, parts to build like a little go-kart. And you realize like, yes. oh, okay, I can drive this into an enemy and it will do damage. And you continue to do that. And as you hit these little enemy encampments around this giant open kind of like space that the dungeon is in, you keep finding more and bigger vehicle parts until by the end I was driving like literally like a Mad Max like giant spiked wheels shooting flames lasers and electricity coming out and just like smashing through enemies like bowling pins you know in this way where it is this like natural building up of things that they never you know they never tell you like hey this is the one where you build a Mad Max car but like just just their ability to do that and then have other combat shrines that are like similarly interesting built around completely different mechanics is so so cool yeah i mean just the fact that throughout that entire game even by the end of the game you know solving puzzles still being like wait oh what if that wouldn't actually work would it like the fact that that feeling is spread out and you're still having it by the end of that game is just such a testament to those abilities that they put in there i mean the first time we realized it like oh wait a minute i can just move a platform and then get on it and then rewind time. And then the platform can just like be an elevator anywhere I want to go. Uh, or just, you know, the simplest little things of like the first time you fuse a shield and a rocket. And it's like, all right, here we go. Just flying straight up. Just like those little moments throughout that entire game are so freaking fun and cool. Um, it's a it's awesome, y'all. Uh, uh, also, this is uh, a, a completely unobjective. I mean, all of these are unobjective points. I think it's the best looking game on this list. I think it's like one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. Yeah. Ben, just say yes. Don't don't. Argue well, yes. Hi-Fi Rush is, is uh, pretty damn good looking. Like I, I when I think of, you know, my time in Tears of the Kingdom, I think of like being up in the sky and watching storms roll in below you. And seeing like storm clouds and the rain coming down, I was like, this is such a cool idea. Just watching from up above my perch where there's just puzzles all around me on these little sky islands from them below, just seeing the weather. And I know you're, you're big on the lighting in particular, Jacob. Yeah, it's just it's it's like this and and Breath of the Wild, which is kind of a knock the Breath of the Wild did it too. But it's like it's it's maybe the only game I've ever played that like. I get similar feelings to when I am actually hiking and like come around a corner and there's like a sunrise or something yeah. like I, I kind of it. They they just managed to capture that in a way that like very few open world games have of like accidentally experiencing the beauty of the natural world. On it. to Jacob's video on that. That was my favorite video you made this year, Jacob. This That's is all great. a big plug. Watch my video. Check it out. Everybody. <laughs> Will someone please subscribe to his channel? About. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it is unbelievable they got it running on the Switch. Pretty old hardware at this point, you know. It, it's it's a little rough at spots. Like it's it's not Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, but you know, it is it is beautiful. The art direction is beautiful, but there's certainly a ton of areas. Like I'm always thinking of like there's like that one section you go down there to get the one uh, material, but like getting in the cart and going down to the cave. I just remember doing that again and again. And like the textures were just abysmal, barely popping is popping in as you're entering this cave. I feel like it's one of those games that we all are stunned by the beauty of, but when a rematch for this game comes out in 10 years, we're all going to look back on this and puke in our hands. Uh, at, at actually how it's trying to get I got big news about every game, I guess, other than High Five Rush. <laughs> High Five Rush is uh, permanent and forever. Uh, it's worth noting. Can I give a ding on this game? 
to change. May I also bit. ding after Haley's uh, ding? Haley, could we get dings? one positive ding, or should we call it a ping, and then you can ding? Okay, ping. I love this game. I really yes. like this game. It's number four for me. I don't not like Tears of the Kingdom pretext. Like, I like this game. Love it. Uh, ding. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills in that we don't, like, hate how Link isn't have a shred of personality. In, in <laughs> oh, titles. interesting angle. I hate okay. it. Why, why would you need that? I need that. It's too late in the, our lives to be like, Link can just be a lump of clay. No, embrace <laughs> tradition. More than that. It's too long now. It's called like, storytelling. I, Tell oh us about Agent 47. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what, Agent like, 47 doesn't have a girlfriend that gets kidnapped in front of his eyes, and then he goes... Yeah. And doesn't make it a like hello. Well, you didn't hear when he said you're applying you some know? personality there. I don't think there's any uh, overt romance. You can't just go. They do exactly. uh, she, he they works do for her. Too, yeah. For sure, but. yeah, but you can bring that. Know, think of romances. The expressions so on his face that. as he's like exploring a tower for the first time and then rocketing up he into goes, the sky. No, his he face. Goes, he's oh, an expressive guy. Yeah. He's an expressive dude for everything. Oh, except he's not. For, we're not just eyes here and pretend that Link has more? a personality. Okay, <laughs> we're not going to like. No, I, and I, the excuse yeah. is always he's the conjure for the player. His name's Link. Elliot, you stupid. Soul. That's why he doesn't have a personality. I'm like, that's a dumb reason. Give him personality. Personality. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so yeah, we gotta stop saying it. shouting that at you. I, it's really like, I feel like I'm crazy that people want him to have a personality. I would love for him to have a personality. I, I get that Zelda games have a story, and sometimes people care about those stories a lot. But this to me feels like <laughs> people saying like, "Well, the story in Monster Hunter isn't very good." It's like, are, why are you playing it for that? That's not what this is about. <laughs> and it's, I love the story in Zelda, though. Like like Twilight Princess is my favorite Zelda. If I got a tattoo, it would be Midna's helmet. Like that's I love Prove that it. game so much. Let's revisit this after the movie comes out and see how you feel oh, about no. having a personality. Chris Pratt's like, gonna nail it. Yeah, oh, Nintendo screws that up. God. That'll prove that not having a personality was. The I right just choice. think that like if if Twilight Princess's story had Tears of the Kingdom gameplay. I would die. Like, that would be amazing. Imagine if you were building something to save Midna from getting, like, uh, the light hitting her and you're blocking Shadow or something. She's like, help the light! And you're like, oh, like, randomly building a, a building to protect her. I would, like, the stakes would be so much more exciting. Whereas in this game, it's like, yeah, I think my girlfriend's dead. I'm gonna go over here and, like, run over here and do this thing. Yeah, but the running hours. over there is so cool, Haley, that I guess we all and just it don't is, care about And it is, and I love it, and I don't want anyone to think I'm hating on this game, because I love it. It literally is my fourth favorite game of this year. Yeah. But I'm just, like, so done with the excuse that Link just needs to be the, the, the link between player. Like, he needs to have a personality. It's 2023. I Next think you better do something. You better talk. That is worth talking about, though. Does this game have a story? Does anybody remember? Yeah, my it's, biggest it's thing. It's got one of the best, best moments story. of the year. I mean, yeah, yeah we allegedly. I mean, yeah, the <laughs> ending of that game. I, is I didn't play it. I don't know. I just have to assume you guys are right, but uh, I don't know. Okay, so my issue with the story is that basically Nintendo tied all the stories to locations on the map, and then they encourage mm. like free exploration of the map and. The locate and then the stories you see don't it doesn't go in an order, right? So if you decide to go off in one really far direction, you're not picking it up from the beginning. You're picking it up from the middle, um, and that to me just feels like such a bad way to tell a story. Like clearly, story was not priority here. It was a sandbox Gary's mod that was the priority here. And in my opinion, I would prefer priority on the story because the story is just so cool in this game. 
It has, like, it has just a great story. And then they just took it and they just punted it into the ocean. And they said, doesn't matter. Have you tried putting a rocket onto a log? That's what matters. So for me, they really just, like, dropped all of the things that I cared about. Like, the exploration in Breath of the Wild, outstanding. Exploration in Tears of the Kingdom, it just felt like Breath of the Wild, but, like, we put a hat on it. You know, we changed the environment a little bit. And I didn't get that feeling of, like, new places. Because it was just the same places again. And then they were like, we made you the Underdark. And I'm like, there's nothing here. It's empty. There's just monsters. And then you're going to make, you're going to force me to grind so I can charge my battery. And then they were like, what about the sky? And I'm like, that's empty too. (laughs) And you're telling me that, like, I feel like the, the first five hours of the game were the same five hours I had in every five hours of the game. It's like, you find the guy with the sign. You find the, the Korok. You go to the dungeon. They tell you about the infamous war of imprisonment. And then you do it, like, 20 more times. And it just felt like the same thing over and over and over and over again until the game ended. Do you, do you like puzzles? <laughs> yes. Okay. No, I mean, I, and I'm not, I'm not, this is not me, like, coming after you, but, like, genuinely, like, that is such a rewarding thing for me is how every shrine and dungeon i had to approach like every puzzle differently and that was hugely rewarding for me and even like moving between the islands and the sky and stuff like that and and again sorry i'm not saying like you did it wrong i'm just wondering if that's just a a less of a value to you like you're just do you not get the same joy out of like figuring things out in that way i think it's just like it was i have fun with it the first five times and then it's like when it's just 50 more times of like putting things together in a puzzle, I'm like, look, I need, we need a little bit more here. I need a little more like characterization. I need a little more plot. I need a little more like investment. So you're okay. normally the person who's like, yeah, forget about all this story stuff in video games. I feel like normally you're championing just mechanics. So it's weird that. You, you, I do want to read uh, Henry in the backstage pass said, can't wait for Sarah, someone to tell Sarah, quote, Outer Wilds lover Podzorski that nonlinear stories are good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's interesting to be it, it, the plot stuff for Tears of the Kingdom. Like I wasn't over the moon about it. Like it built. And I think the ending really got me. But like I, you know, it's one sixtieth of the experience to me was, hey, we're going to ha- show some cutscenes out of order, piece it together. And I think it's more interesting for honestly a fine story from my point of view to have it like, Hey, what if we rearranged it in this puzzle kind of immortality esque, right? Like it is more fun to be like, okay, this, and then that, and then that it's more engaging than if they just ran those cutscenes chronologically, I would have fallen asleep. Uh, it just, it would have done much less for me. I, it's, I'd rather sacrifice the story to have that much freedom and exploration. And it's a tough thing as a designer to balance for sure. But I am very it, happy to, that they made the trade. Well, there's did. this brand new game band called Lego Fortnite. Yeah, it's freaking cool. You can ultra hand all you want. It's it, cool. And you can build everything from your dreams. Well, I love Lego it. building um, is ultra hand. I never even thought of that. Whoa. whoa. I didn't finish the Tears of the Kingdom because it's just, I knew when I started it that I'm like going to drag this out for the next five years and then barely finish it before the next one came out because that's what I did with Breath of the Wild. And <laughs> frankly, that's what I enjoyed doing. Like, I liked kind of taking it at my own pace, so I don't intend to finish Tears of the Kingdom anytime soon, but um, I love this game. I feel like to me, Tears of the Kingdom, and I you know, I think they were all maybe a little split on if it's better than Breath of the Wild, but to me, Nintendo did the impossible and did it twice with Tears of the Kingdom, where yeah. Breath of the Wild, to me, is the greatest game of all time, and I'm like, what are you going to do? Make the greatest game of all time again? And I'm like, you kind of did, which does make it weird that it's not my number one. Right. I'm like, is this not my favorite <laughs> game of all time now, or the best one to me? But then I have a different one for number one. But like, 
I don't know. That's just my vibe this year. Like, it doesn't make sense. And I don't really mind that it doesn't. But <laughs> yeah, I love Tears of the Kingdom. I think what I it's always the great debate that you guys kind of bring up. And I think that's why we started from here. Like, Ben, you're like, why did we start like from such a negative place? I think we started it just in conversation with all the awesome moments Leo brought up yeah. with Hitman Freelancer and the ideas of what does play look like in a space and how can developers facilitate that play and to what degree should that be on the player versus the design. And I think, you know, y'all kind of started with how Tears of the Kingdom maybe doesn't quite force you to experiment with all the cool things it made. So then it does end up becoming a rote because you end up doing the same things. But I actually really like that about it. That was my number one fear going into Tears of the Kingdom, that I'm going to have to learn how to MacGyver my way through this video game and that I wouldn't be able to do it. And I think their solution to that was so smart in having the shrines basically be tutorials to teach you how to experiment, but then also having the fun of the shrines be breaking them. It is a game where it is so much more fun to find the unintended solution than the solution. Yeah. But finding the solution is also valuable. Um, as far as repetition, I mean, I think inherently open world games will have repetition in that they have like, these this quest type is like this that or the other for me they didn't wear thin because i felt like the in-between parts were so long for me because i'm kind of doing a slower more completionist run of the game even though i probably won't actually complete it like to that degree but i'm sort of taking my time with it and i find the thing spaced out um narratively i've personally never really been moved by a zelda story i haven't played every game but i think they're all kind of the same sort of fairy tale told in different ways which i think is interesting yeah but i don't come here to like get moved or to cry or to be whatever. I think they have really cool characters and I think that's where the personality is. And I, you know, love walking around and talking to like a bird man who's like a journalist for the post in the other side of town and the sign guy, like that's what I get a kick out of narratively from, from Zelda. I do feel like it's worth pointing out that like this game starts really well and it ends yes. exceptionally well. Yes. You know, it's like, Honestly, when I think about the story of Tears of the Kingdom, I think like, ah, I really enjoyed that because like it it culminates in such a good way. And like, I think that does a lot of work, you know, like I, I think that me being emotionally satisfied at the end of this game makes my read of the overall story like pretty high. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Um, but ultimately, I'm I'm coming to it as a big toy. And I think it succeeds as a big toy world, you know. Um, so the quark babies are super fun. You, yeah. Like they cry and you can shoot them off into space and do all these different things. Like, I don't know. I, it's just it's funny because you brought up Ben moment to moment fun. I feel like while Tears of the Kingdom isn't moment to moment the thrill of Spider-Man because I'm not like flying a million miles an hour. Like it's a game that I have fun with pretty much the entire time, even just yeah. walking around and just seeing what pops up or what pops off. Though I do think, Sarah, you make a lot of poignant points with the fact that the depths is just like a really dark space with a bunch of monsters in it a little bit. But for me, I kind of, I, I don't mind that as much because I think it's sort of offering something different and that difference is a little barren, which I can see as a con, but I feel like I get enough from the different layers that I don't mind that layer being a little bit different. But you're not wrong in that. That is kind of the experience and you could just take a bike and go around and light all this stuff. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, on the exploration front, I mean, just like those little magical moments of like the first time you're in a forest and then all the trees come to life like it's freaking Wizard of Oz. It's like, what? Is it throwing apples? I mean, like, what is all this stuff? Chronicles of Narnia, where they, Frazzled! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, 
underneath the castle of like, okay, I'm going to start using my bombs and start digging through. Let's see how far this goes. It's like, oh, this is now, what, four hours of just like these catacombs underneath the castle? Uh, Just unbelievable little moments of discovery uh, packed into every inch of this world. Um, I'm not not overlooking its faults. Uh, I just, I really want to champion it as a really unique experience. Uh, Jeff, That's so brave of you. Yeah, I, yeah, I so feel brave. like no one else is gonna. <laughs> I, Jeff um, has been eerily quiet, scaring me. I know. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> guess I'm I'm the one that didn't like Breath of the Wild to begin with. Um, that one never clicked with me. I thought you were all insane. Um, and this is the one where the the added powers is what made me fall in love with it and made me feel like you guys did the first time. And it was like, oh, now I have the sense of exploration, the sense of freedom, the sense of, hey, what's that thing over there? I can get to get to it however I want to. Um, I'm super glad that I went back to it like two or three weeks ago mm. because it it had fallen um, a bit on my list and playing through it instantly reminded me how much fun I had, um, how completely different from every other game it is. And then, yeah, the ending kicked ass. Like, they they brought it together in a way that... that really erased a lot of the frustrations that I had with the story up to that point. Like, seeing that same freaking cutscene five times in a row or whatever. It was like, hey, there's a, there's a payoff here with Zelda as a character and all of that stuff that made me care more about this... Uh, Zelda story than I have any of the previous ones. And and it I, I, but I I totally respect like as Sarah as Sarah said like <sighs> making it open ended like that it's it's the order that you get two things and like you can totally like I think you got probably the worst option of like <laughs> when when you ran into things um and there there are certainly other other valid criticisms of of some of those cutscenes and how they roll things out. And yeah, it, it was never going to be, you know, the top tier of narratives in video games. But, but that finale, like, married the story and the gameplay of that final boss battle in a way that, that, I, that really worked for me. I take it we talked about that in Best Moments. We did, we did. I missed mm-hmm. that part. Don't get me started on best moments, Leo. Uh, can I, can I, <laughs> oh, yeah. The trauma is unearthed yet again. I don't want anyone to think I'm ignoring them or being rude, but I really got to use the bathroom, so I'll be right back. Okay. That's so rude. Ugh. He's oh, going to the pissy zone. He cares I feel like he timed that just to yes. do the most damage. So rude. He literally is likes it? his piss more than No, us. let's talk about Alan Wake, too, because he's the most negative on it. <laughs> quick, yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. got about it real quick. Uh, I'm not done dunking on Zelda if we want to keep going. Is, if you want well, to keep can, going, sure. Can we... It, is like the, like the is the five through system. ten is <laughs> is there oh, yeah, anyone, that's a good point is, is there anything in the five through ten zone that like people feel should be moving around right a great question I honestly kind Not of feel really. like no. top five bottom five are pretty secure it's just a matter wow. of moving them within it no a matter of moving them within their spheres yeah I agree no the you know Ben I mean? just accidentally. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. I thought everyone yelled at me because I didn't know. No, 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 no. I think it was Kyle. Ben's deleting things. (laughs) Where did See the Stars go? Uh, I I feel like top four are going to be the top four. Not in that order, obviously. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah but like, I, what about I the order pretty... of five through ten? <laughs> Honestly, I'm that's a great question. Yeah. I'm kind of happy with it too. It's so people listening. It's uh, CSR is coming in at number five, then Hi-Fi Rush at six, Resident Evil Four Remake at seven, Dave the Diver at eight, Marvel Spider-Man Two at nine, Lies of P at ten. What's the? How many people have played and loved Sea of Stars? Because I haven't, so I'm just. That's to, the only I one that I'm a little skeptical. Of. I, I started it and yeah. I thought it was cool, but I haven't continued it. Like, does that land it above High Five Rush? It's a great question. It doesn't for me, for what it's worth. But that doesn't mean like I'm okay with it being one slot off from where I'd put it. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry about that. I'm curious to hear what Kyle says before I say what I think. Let's see if Star versus High Five Rush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean it. it it certainly is above high fire rush for me. Sea of stars. Um, it's sea of stars is very high on my, my personal list. Um, yeah, I just, I just adore, I just adore it. Just the, the art, the world, everything. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. What's what, cause I think I missed the beginning of well, this debate. Are you just sort of poking it? Is that what's, well, we're wondering if everything other than the top four are in the right spot. And sea of oh, stars sure. is the one that I am also based on the group. It's like, is that, is that number five or, I feel like Hi-Fi Rush or and or Resident Evil Remake could both go above that just just based on group temperature. I kind of feel but, that way too. Um, yeah. Then again, I mean, as somebody who loves Hi-Fi Rush, what if it was Resident Evil Four Remake, Hi-Fi Rush, Sea of Stars as five, six, seven? I'm just saying, like everybody loves Resident Evil Four Remake. Hi-Fi Rush, a lot of us love, but some people are not gaga over. And Sea of Stars is a very good game that two to three people loved. What is the order you're proposing? <laughs> RE4? I'm, I'm suggesting what if, what if, here, let me just, let me just do it. And then whatever happens. Oh, that. So how, how, how does this look, guys? Let's, Let's just, just see how this looks. Let's just see how this like, looks. Guys. If it's number it is, five, Resident Evil 4 Remake, number six, good. Hi-Fi Rush. I'm not saying nothing. We're not moving it on to so everyone's happy. It is so funny that Ray Luaza points out RE4 climbed back to the spot that it was at the start of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> which is <laughs> interesting, <laughs> but maybe it wasn't. I, I mean, it's good. It's good. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I'm much more interested in the top four. Whoa. Haley, how does that sit with you? Uh, hmm. It feels very deja vu from last year. I can't really put yeah. my finger on it. I feel like we had the exact same conversation. I see. I love all three of these games. I've played all three of these games. That's right. Personally, I like Sea of Stars the most out of all three, but I appreciate that the like they're all such high caliber games. It's going to be hard. It's it, we're being nitpicky right now. It's not like I'm like clearly it's the winner. I'm like ah, oh, this is t- tough. I <sighs> I wish more people played. I, I like RE4 yeah. moving up. Mm-hmm. RE4 is my number two. I think Sea of Stars is my number three. Oh, okay. Um, so, All right. Yeah. Sea of Stars is my number five. Oh, okay. Um, and it's just a matter of. It's just a matter of. <laughs> it's a matter of how you compare such different genres. They're all so good. What do you mean? It's a piece of cake. It's. Podcasting about games. Resident Everybody Evil 4, Hi-Fi Rush, and Sea of Stars are such three vastly different <laughs> games doing different things. How do I go, oh, one, two, three? Like, it's so difficult. Especially, we haven't even gotten to the top three. I'm going to explode when we start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I mean, there's yeah, there's a certain amount of me that I want to get to that. You know, yeah. like we're in the these games are in the top ten. Like these, I could, these are great I could keep, I could keep Sea of Stars here um, and just recommend people don't uh, let Sea of Stars pass you by. It's very, very good, and and yeah. the story's great, and the final ending is very, very good. There's an ending, and then there's a final ending, and the final ending is very, very good. Yeah, yes. Number seven is a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah. Out of the 100 and something games we had, and then yep. Poggers, too. It's pretty high yeah. up. Yep, yep, yeah. no doubt. I love Poggers, wow. <laughs> uh, hey, we... Can... Oh, yeah. Somebody? Somebody had thoughts? I was going to say, can we, can, we, can we all go pee? Yes, we I can. Pee. Yes, we can. When did Hitman go down? Leo, did you see When that? I came back, Zelda was at the top, and I just wanted to see how this would look. <laughs> uh, I assume that was Kyle hanging out here by himself. I just wanted to try this on himself. for size. Alan Wake. Okay. I don't know. It just nature took hold. Interesting. We took a bathroom break, and things have shifted, but this top four this seems pretty Kyle good. This is why Kyle wants to use the bathroom before everybody else. He's like, I'll hold <laughs> down the floor before everyone else. Kyle did nothing. Kyle did not do it. Like, just well, believe okay. chat. All right. Let's just see how it feels. Sean. Let's just see, Sean. <laughs> Let's just see how people feel about this. I think this yeah. feels pretty good. Good. All uh, right, everybody. Interesting. Uh, we have not talked about a couple of these games yet. Um, where, where do we start, y'all? Where do we start? Well, we're down to the I, top four, to clarify, right? We like, are. Five, yeah, 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 it's so Baldur's Gate 3. Did we Stars thing? I'm yeah, happy. yeah, I think so. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3, Hitman Freelancer, Alan Wake 2, and then Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, are kind of the top four that it seems like we're juggling a bit. I feel like we could start with something that Kelsey said that was just so true and so wise, and that was that all Baldur's Gate 3, Hitman Freelancer, and Zelda Tears of the Kingdom were all kind of games that gave everyone super unique experiences and let them gave them a creative freedom that let them play it however they wanted to and just gave unlimited fun times to everyone, and I feel like that's a... That, those are three great games. Uh, yeah, but then again, going by your logic, like we can't have all those clumped together. We should probably break it up by having like an Alan Wake too. No, we can clump. Like, uh, we can clump. Clumps oh. are cool. <laughs> I, I do feel like that's the theme of this year, though, right? Like yeah. every almost everyone's favorite game is some flavor of like I had an awesome time anecdotally doing this emergent gameplay stuff, right? Yeah. Well, mm. except oh, for except Alan Wake too. Haley. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's one game I think that's always been the best at that, but has never gotten its flower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, and there's let, one game that came out and just redefined a genre that I just feel like we need to acknowledge. We're acknowledging it. Uh, Let's get into it. Uh, uh, can, can we like no holds barred this, please? I would yeah. love if this was a no holds barred conversation. What <laughs> holds are you considering barring? Of course, this is no holds None. barred. None. <laughs> <laughs> Let us have it, Haley. How are you feeling about this? Oh no, I shouldn't have spoke. I cannot start. <laughs> She's holding bars. She's me? holding bars. You can't be like, can we, we all be really pissy like, here? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 Haley's like, let's take the gloves off. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where's this punch coming from? <laughs> I feel like. Let Sarah go. I genuinely feel like the gaming industry needed a Baldur's Gate 3. This is like the first big hit that we've had in decades, okay? Baldur's Gate 3, when people think of 2023 in video games, what they think of coming out that was a big deal and will last forever, it's going to be Baldur's Gate 3. Yep. It just is. Yep. And I just feel like we're not going to see another Baldur's Gate 3 for quite a while. We're all going to agree. We're all going to talk about it. We're going to see a bunch of like, they're trying to be Baldur's Gate 3. But Baldur's Gate 3 is definitely one of the most like, 
you know, not like once in a lifetime, but you get a few, you get a few Baldur's Gate 3 in a lifetime. I think you're totally right. And like, this is absolutely Divinity Original Sin. I was like, it can't get better than this. And then they were like, Baldur's Gate 3. And I was like, it's better than Divinity Original Sin 2. Yeah, it's, um, what's better? What's better? Yeah. I would say the revolutionary taking, managing to take what makes D&D so great. And putting it in a video game and making it accessible while still leaving you that agency that you get in D&D is just incredible. Like, being able to customize your character, customize your playthroughs, that every time you play, you could have a completely different experience and you'll still be seeing new things. For a game that's like 160 hours, being able to do that is just incredible. Yeah, I mean, fair to say, most flexible RPG ever made. I know it's a weird word to put with RPG, but it seems that way from everything I understand about Baldur's Gate. And just to be very clear where we're at, like I, I will not take an ounce of appreciation for Baldur's Gate three away from the people that love it. You like hate I, it. I, I, I you truly, hate it. It's time to let the shtick die. I think this, I think this game is truly awesome. La, I am in la, awe la, 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 la. <laughs> of everything they did. <laughs> Even if it's not clicking for me, I don't want it to be like, oh, it's dumb. It's bad. Like I, I can't lob a single ding at Baldur's Gate 3. I respect the hell out of it. Everything I can say about Baldur's Gate is like so specific to me, right? It's like, I can't, does that make sense? Like if there's like a thing that doesn't, is not clicking with me, I can point to it and define it as being like, that's just something that I just personally am not into. And it's like, I don't want, yeah, like you, Ben, I don't want it to take away from everybody else when it's, when it's such a personal, uh, preference of how yeah. i absorb and play video games you know yeah and sarah that idea of like how did they do this this is a once in a generation type of experience like um you know i saw their presentation at gdc it was it last year year before i forget um and you know it was talking about the early access phase and like is it worth it to put your game in early access and they had what all of act one out there for mm-hmm. years they were missing um the underdark okay uh, but, but still and like, the yeah, they missed they were missing a little bit, but yeah, it was a lot of act one. Yeah, and just the idea of like, all right, we're just gonna incorporate all the feedback we can from the community, dial it down, and then they realize like, oh sweet Jesus, if we want to finish the rest of the game at this scale and this production level that we've kind of set as a standard for ourselves, it's going to be impossible. What have we done? And then just they buckled down and did it, and I hope they're all doing okay over there because they seem to have pulled it off. Even it seems like it's, you know, probably the buggiest out of all these uh, I mean, know, the top four. But I, other than I that, mean, like, I, you can't help that you're, no. you know, some people don't Alan have great Wake PCs. Too is the Alan Wake 2 probably is pretty I high. did fall through the floor in Alan Wake 2 quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It, it, is, it, is it time to just break Alan Wake's kneecaps and, and move him down to the well, fourth well, I mean, well, well, let's, let's, I mean, <laughs> if that's the Baldur's Gate 3 talk, I think we got a lot more to unpack here with Baldur's Gate 3 before we get to Alan Wake 2. But what is our yeah. goal right now? Is it just I, just, I want to get a, I want to get a feel small, for so as a group where a we're at for Baldur's Gate three. Oh, um, I love Baldur's Gate three. It's my game of the year. It uh, is. Whoa. Another game. Jan- another game. Whoa, I'm Jan- Surprise! Sleeper yeah. agent here, guys. Are you not reading every single tweet I post? That one time <laughs> on September twenty third. Yeah, which I have not updated <laughs> in forever because that's again I'm slow rolling this. Um, yeah, I think it's just like it is so incredible. Um, I love. I can appreciate story in games. I definitely don't need story from all of my games. The writing in this is so good. I'm a huge fan of, you know, visual novels, choice-based things. It was immediately clear this is better than anything I've ever encountered before. And that's including, like, some of the best titles. Like, you know, like Life is Strange True Colors is one that I lobbed up there a lot. And there's, like, a bunch of other examples. But everything about this game is good. And it's, and not just that, it's... 
it really gets all of the juice out of each orange. And there are so many oranges, um, even just from booting it up. I'm like, is it just me or is this down by the river song? One of the best things I've heard. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is it just me or is it so fun to create these characters? Because they have like the customization just perfect where you're not going to obsessively try to make you, but you're going to try to make someone cool and immediately i'm kind of thrown into the hey how do you want to role play this the production value of the cutscenes is absolutely incredible best looking cutscenes i think i've ever seen in a video game um the writing is good everywhere every inch of the writing is delectable i got this old floppy hat and the description of the hat is whacked around more often than a clown in a tragedy and that's mm. like more amusing than I've like that's more amusement I've gotten out of some games in their entirety. The dice roll <laughs> is probably the most satisfying thing I've ever experienced in a game this year. They somehow make eight radio wheels even on PS5 kind of manageable because you can sort of categorize them. Um the combat, I think the turn-based combat and the sort of system is super fun. It is slow and I, I get maybe some people maybe finding that experience to be clunky, but for me I take a long time playing a game like that. I strategize a lot and it takes me a long time to come up with those strategies. So I personally don't feel like it's any different than any other tactics. game. Like some tactics games are obviously easier and quicker to, you know, pull off whatever you want to pull off, but they give you so many options. Um, I'm a druid and I forgot what else, but I can turn into a freaking giant spider, which is cool. Um, every NPC is interesting to talk to. All of them have something interesting to say, and they don't all look like they're on a Zoom call with a webcam in different angles, yeah. which I found <laughs> extremely refreshing. Um, talking to animals is my favorite thing to do in this game. I'm freaking going on quests that, that rats basically gave me at this point. Um, and even when they don't lead to gameplay, they're snippy and fun. Like, I experience, and this is more of a comment to Baldur's Gate 3 than meant to be a diss to every other game, but there's more personality from the random birds who are collecting shiny things in a nest that doesn't matter than in some entirety of cast members. I know the across exact other pigeon you're thinking yes! about. That's how memorable <laughs> this game is. I know the pigeon she's talking about. Yeah, and it was great. And then you walk up and it's like, and there's, and literally there's so many, you know, I think about um, uh, the problematic nature of the game aside, you know, I think a lot about Detroit, Detroit Become Human and the way it would show you its narrative branching paths at the end of each section. I imagine this for this game, and my mind starts to melt yeah, because it is so detailed and everything like matters in such an intriguing way. And I think when we talk about stakes in choice based games, it's often. I don't know whether I said I wanted to go to the movies or not. We still kind of went, so I didn't really care. Like, I don't personally need, I think at the end of the day, like with narrative design to me, it, it's not so much that my choices need to matter every single step of the way, but they need to feel like there is a cohesive impact throughout. And for this, like everything, it, you know, you'll have one member who's a different race who like when they talk to somebody of that same race, they have a special dialogue where it's like, hey, as this part of the community, we both like know, have this shared ground. Or, you know, there was, like, a moment in that same area, Haley, where the pigeon was, where it's, like, there's an elevator, and there's, like, two ways. It's like if you could turn into the animal, you can also talk to it. There's, like, all these weird little things for stuff that doesn't matter. And I think that's why, even though I haven't beaten the game, I'm far from it, I'm still in Act 1, it, it immediately is the most narratively impressing, impressive thing I've ever played, because I don't even really care what you do with the overarching story. I haven't... You know, I'm not deep enough to have fallen in love and, and done all these other things, but just the moment to moment, it's so incredibly delicious. I'm going to eat off this game for forever. It's one of the best things I've ever played by a mile. So, yeah, I, I, love, I, I love this game. 
uh, my only ding is um, I don't really like the the rest system. I know it's like a and d thing or something, but mm-hmm. the short rest and then you got to get the, and it costs supplies and I'm just cheap. That's really more of a me thing. But I'm like, oh, I'm worried that I'm going to, you know, kind of back myself into a corner. Everyone says that I won't. You and won't. I, I, yeah. And I get narratively it's so that you can like check in on the camp and like get the next beat. But that's probably my only thing. Also, the freaking spells and perks you get. Every single thing is good. It's like you're at a really good restaurant and you're like, well, I know I'm going to keep coming back to the restaurant, but everything's so delicious. I just what do I want to order first? Like, it's so thrilling. I um, love the delicious ratio. Yeah. Drops <laughs> <laughs> We're having a delicious year, Haley. Yeah. yeah. This is the game that murders Starfield um, for me, <laughs> uh, which I know isn't saying a lot to, to this group, but it but it it falls at the center of the Venn diagram that is like. Every taste that I have in games, and it it knocked it out of the park for every single one. Yeah, a, a lot of the games this year hit like one or two things, and it's like, man, I love the story in this, but the combat, you know, is kind of whatever. I love the exploration in this, but the sense of rewards isn't that great. Like this one, it hit every it hit every single area, um, and has just kept on giving for me. I also. To be fair, still in Act One. I played a hundred hours of it. Uh, this game <laughs> will last forever, but yeah. it's it's the one that it's the one that I also still want to keep going back to. And the and like Janet said, like the the branching narratives. That's something I become so jaded with in games because it's always like we're going to give you three options. They're all basically going to funnel back into this one. And like just the first freaking Druid's Grove that you come to. They skewer that thing with so many different options that completely like like the sense of a branching narrative just disappears because there's so many different ways that it can go. And at that point, I'm just building my character. I'm making my decisions. I'm living with the consequences of those decisions in a way that you don't get from narrative games or role playing games, even though that's the entire point of role playing. Um, The sense of rewards that you get. From and this this was again my big knock against Tears of the Kingdom uh, and Starfield to some extent. I'll stop bringing Starfield up because no one cares about that game anymore. But just like the sense of getting getting some random item that works perfectly with a build, or that you can just you get it and you're like, oh my god, this is so cool! I'm going to build my entire character around this thing, and it's just something like I bought from a freaking vendor. Like I found, you know, on one, on one character that I decided to pickpocket, like those, those kind of like better, better sense of reward than anything I got out of tears of King tears of the kingdom kind of like, because, because everything matters because it's all systems based because I can build my characters in such creative and different ways. And the fact that you do that for every, every party member that comes into your crew. And it's like, well, I don't have to play this game five times because I'm never going to. I can just build out all these different characters and then and then go along with them and get super cool, like, backstories with them and feel feelings for these characters that I don't normally get from companions in video games. Like, it's just, it is it is a once, you know, in a lifetime type of game. That's That's great. Yeah. 
And there's co-op throughout all this. Which, like, talk yes, about just multiplying yeah. the complexity. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just still... a little sideline. Family like, yeah, game of the year, if you have a really specific family. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of people do. And you can also play as any of the origin characters, like Carlock Asterian, and they all have their own dialogue for their own stories. So that's, like, five separate games in, like by itself, because they yeah. all have, like, special content. Yeah, I know people praise Dragon Age Origins like for that same idea, but that times a thousand seems to be the consensus for Baldur's Gate 3. You can also customize your dice, which is fun. Customize your what? Your dice. Like, oh. change the color and oh, all yeah. that. And it's like, I don't know, it just adds that little, like, tabletop vibe. Even though I don't actually play D&D, again, I keep telling my story of slowly going through Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion to learn it, and I don't think you need to. I know that one criticism that gets lobbied against this game is like, well, isn't this just, like, D&D, but, like, in a game, it's like, yeah, but that's one that's really hard to do, and two, that's yeah, awesome. That's like, awesome. I think, yeah, yeah, and like you don't need to know anything about D and D to play it at all. Like, I don't know anything about D and D, and it's still just you know a game that but, teaches you how to play it like any other game does. There, there's a reason there have been so many video game RPGs that are based on D and D, but haven't been able to do actual D and D in rules because because it's just so wide open with what you could do in actual D&D, and this is the one that, like, actually pulled it off. Again, like Ben, I don't want to take anything away from this, but, like, I really tried to start playing this game, and I felt like my lack of knowledge about D&D basically prevented me from getting into it. Like, I, yeah. I found it completely overwhelming at the beginning. And so, I, you know, I I hear every... The game that you're describing sounds like the best game ever made, but, like, I... I did bounce off of it because I found the initial hump to like understanding how to move and operate in that world just pretty overwhelming. Yeah. And again, I don't, I don't think this should detract from it, but there are what five of us that are in that camp of bouncing off it. Kel- Kelsey, mm-hmm. did you play it? Yeah. And I'm in that same camp and I like, I haven't given up on it yet um, because I really just hear yeah, people me too. talk about it. And especially honestly, Janet, your passion for this get me even more excited just because I think you are also coming into this as a like yeah. D newbie. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, I feel like if you can do it, then that means it can be accessible to me too. Um, and I just, I haven't hit that stride yet and I would like to. So it's, it's tough. Cause I think everyone who played Baldur's Gate three likes it much more than, uh, or everyone who played and liked Baldur's Gate 3 likes it more than anything else, which is an interesting spot for it to be. And I think the yeah. rest of us have a slightly mixed number one, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Haley, where are you at these days for Baldur's Gate? Uh, Baldur's Gate changed the way I think about my taste in games, like completely. Like I was, oh. th- this game's changed how I think about what I might like. In the best possible way, because I, I, I kind of I think we talked about this before, and I think it's funny that, like, I feel like I time traveled <laughs> in that this I learned about this game the day before it came out. And I was like, oh, like my partner was like, I might buy Baldur's Gate 3. I was like, what is that? Like, I just didn't even know what it was. It was coming out the next day. And then he showed me a trailer. I was like, I think I might try. I don't know what about my brain said. Try a CRPG, Haley. Because I like, I don't know. But something about it, I was like, this looks kind of interesting. Maybe I'll try. And I definitely had that hump like you did, Jacob, where I was like, what's a druid? What's a tiefling? Oh, my God. Oh, what's a bonus action? Oh, can't trip. Like, I got a little bit nervous. And then as soon as I got over that hump, this game, like, I can't. Like we've already sung its praises like a uh, quite a lot, so I I won't go too long. But it's it's 
it's just the best game. Like, oh my gosh. It's so much effort put into a game that, like Sarah was saying, we won't see until maybe Larian makes another game. Like, because they just seem like the only studio that's putting this much effort into every single thing has more than one thing that then connects it to another thing and it expounds from there. Like... I, I'm someone who likes to figure out what what actually affects what in a game to the point that it kind of sometimes messes up how I play games. Like like playing Telltale, for example, which is not a fair comparison, but just hear me out for two seconds. Like playing The Wolf Among Us. I'm like, okay, if I say no here, what actually happens? Like my brain always wants to figure that out and like understand what are the branches, figuring it out, like understanding it i can't do that with this game because it is so detailed and so specifically crafted that i might talk to a zombie in act one and then act three i have a five hour mission about him what (laughs) like how is that happening is that really a thing in the game or yeah that's awesome i think i just talked to him actually people were like go into this room (laughs) yeah so like i i also could have killed him and not had that five hour storyline. But what? Like in my playthrough I'm doing right now, well, I've done it now, but I was trying to do everything. Like any I was trying to make sure that every side quest I could possibly play, I got to play. And that made my act three like the most stacked act three of all time. Like literally I got to Baldur's Gate and there was 70 markers everywhere. Oh and I God. did them all. And they were all amazing. It wasn't like, oh, this one's just like go out and find five birds and come back and tell the dude you found five <laughs> birds and then he's like thanks it's like my daughter's been kidnapped <gasps> and you go to the bar and this person's like i think i saw a kid and you go over here it's like now i have to i don't want to spoil them because they're so good it's like it reminds me of how much i love the witcher 3 side quest but those aren't even close to how good these ones are and those used to be my favorite side quests of all time these yeah. ones are a thousand times better than those easy like so if you like the witcher 3 and you're a little bit nervous about D&D. I'm also a D&D newbie. I've never played D&D. I've always wanted to, but I could never scrounge up a friend group. <laughs> that makes me sound really lame. But I could never <laughs> scrounge up a friend group to play it, and I've always wanted to try. Um, and this let me play D&D by myself, and I'm so excited that they did it so perfect because I literally got to play D&D by myself, and it's per- it's the perfect experience. And it's the characters are amazing. The voice acting's amazing. The story's amazing. The gameplay's amazing. The detail's amazing. Like, everything I could point to is I don't really have a ding for this game. Like I'm trying to think of something to ding it, and I don't really have one. I, love I will say about it. the to kind of expand on what y'all brought up, even though y'all also said like, oh, don't worry about my complaint. It doesn't count. Dude, like I feel like that's a little silly. Like I do think as much as I find it to be generally accessible, it can be a little bit of a hurdle in specifically the way actions and turns are like gone. Like I'm not gonna lie and pretend like. When I streamed this game and had chat helping me, like that did not teach me a lot about the game, yeah. you know? Um, I don't think you need to do that to be able to play it, but I do think you can fail. depending on depending yeah. on your like how you learn, you know, your sensibilities as a player, there is a little bit of a hurdle to like, okay, let me take a step back and try to really see what's going on or why am I failing or what are these characters? Like I think they could have maybe done a little bit more in spelling out for you, you know, especially because I mentioned at one point during the break that my boyfriend's playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, and just even the language of introducing characters, of like, hey, this character is kind of meant for this thing. Like, I think it could have a few of those rails a little bit more, um, just to really 
give you a better sense of how to navigate the combat a little bit more. That being said, I do still stand by that it is generally something you can get into, but I'm not going to lie to you and pretend like I didn't also get like some ancillary help and that that didn't help me. I did like the game even before that, but it can be, depending on your sensibilities, outside info might be helpful and maybe some of that could have been baked in. So that yeah, you have to I, I had to outside. supplement with YouTube a lot for mm-hmm. sure. Like I, I had to go watch like probably five or ten hours of YouTube on just like D background or like how to play Baldur's Gate three for dummies, stupid idiots. Like and just like <laughs> learn it, and then and then once I was like, okay, I can. Because another thing is like like I Shadowheart died in front of me, and I when I first started playing, I was like, is she gone? Like you like don't know the rules, right? You're like you don't know what a scroll of revivify is and stuff. Like you don't know. So I was like, I guess I should reload my save. I don't want to not ever play with Shadowheart. So you kind of have to like learn those rules. It's like Shadowheart's not gone. You can bring back Shadowheart. Don't worry. And like once you have those comfortabilities with like okay, I'll Shadowheart died. That's fine. I'll get a scroll and I'll bring her back and we'll keep going. And you get comfortable with like how the world works. And then you're not as like precious with. I feel like I don't know what's happening. It's like, I'm going to see if this lightning thing works and you do it and it has like yeah. zero damage. And you're like, ah, it didn't work. And you just like keep going from there. It, I, it, it, I you, do think you have to get over a hump. Once you kind of get into understanding a very, very simplistic base, the fun of the combat really opens up where you are starting to wonder, okay, well then, you know, if I can turn into a spider, that means I can web stuff. And when I web stuff, that means it's flammable. So then if I take this and I throw, and then you kind of really start, and to me, that's when the game really does start to sing as you get more into that mindset but yeah there can be a curve outside info could help and i yeah. do kind of hate when games sort of like, so like oh just figure it out you know when you do have to go outside i think that is a negative but that's gamers hate going outside my but then own, when yeah, i put exactly. those hours Honestly, in i haven't gone in weeks my favorite game like one of my yes. favorite games i've ever and played I, in my and life I don't think, so it was worth it <laughs> and i don't feel like it requires as much as other games necessarily i feel like i got like maybe i will hit that point that you got to Haley, where i'm like deep in the youtube weeds but i feel like a quick few questions to my chat or to my partner who's been playing solved a lot of what my questions were like you know yeah yeah, but i I think that is worth acknowledging that it is a little bit clunkier to pick up than you know Mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a slow burn it's like okay get ready to read and then and then think and then reread and you know there's a little bit of that i think at least in the beginning yeah Mm -hmm. sarah do we have stuff that we haven't hit on yet that uh is flowing in your heart? No, I mean, I guess takes. as someone who like has been championing this game from like early access, I'm going to cry. It's just been like so nice seeing like other people like this game. Cause like I saw a lot in this game and it meant a lot to me. So just seeing you guys talk about it makes me so oh, happy. Oh. So cute. You're going to make me cry. Cause I cry. <laughs> people cry like unironically. That's so nice. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, thank you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess if we're done with Baldur's Gate for now, do we want to talk about, I feel like Alan Wake 2 is the only one of the top four we haven't really discussed today. Yeah, I, I am curious to hear where Haley's at specifically with this, because last I heard it in the deepest dive, she's like, sorry, Baldur's Gate, kicking into the curb for Alan Wake being my primary mama. I'm going Ben Hansen mode, she said. (laughs) 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 No going back! (laughs) Where are you at, Um, This is really hard because, to be honest, Baldur's Gate and Alan Wake are now in my top five games of ever, like, of all time. Yeah. Like, it's not like it's this year. Like, those two games are two of my favorite games, so it sucks that they're happening at the same time. And I've literally, like, thought about this for weeks. Like, I have to, like, I had to release it because how do you compare 
a linear horror game. <laughs> you can't, Haley. You meta can't. narrative with dancing Sam Blake <laughs> to Baldur's Gate D and D open. Like, how do I compare those two things? And I think ultimately where I landed was I kind of have like a heart and and like head game of the year, and like my head game of the year is Baldur's Gate three. That game is better than Alan Wake. I know that. Like that it is because it's it's so much more than this. You know. What I love about Alan Wake, it's doing more. It, it's completely taken over how I approach games now, and I love it so much. But my heart just loves Alan Wake, too, so much. And if I hear a second of Herald of Darkness, I like just I'm like, I love Alan Wake. Like, of course, it's my kids, <laughs> it's my I love it. But like, that's kind of where I'm at. So like in my heart of hearts, like I want to just say they're both my game of the year, but I understand people don't like that. <laughs> so <laughs> if I had to pick one, I would say, I think Baldur's Gate it, it is oh. above Alan Wake Whoa, for me. Whoa, you flipped. Okay. Now, like I love Alan Wake, but I just, I know Baldur's Gate 3 is a game I'm going to be thinking about till I'm an old wrinkled lady. <laughs> like as much as I love Alan Wake too. And I, and that's not to say like, I don't, like, I'm so excited to see what Remedy follows up. I'll, I can't wait for Control 2. I feel like they're going to go crazy on Control 2, and I can't wait to see. And I'm still the biggest nerd for it. <sighs> but I love them both, so I just cannot compare them. But if I, for the purposes of our discussions, and I need to, I got to put Baldur's Gate above it. Like, that game does so much, and I'm so impressed by it, and it's changed the way I think about games and what I like. Yeah. I, ha- I have to give it that. Alan Wake 2, though, we should we should unpack uh, what's sweet about this game. Uh, Jacob, you've been biting your tongue during that Baldur's Gate discussion, but how do you feel about this? Man, it's 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 hard to do these at the end of a four hour podcast. Um, (laughs) And Alan Wake 2 is um, is the most exciting I have found a triple A game in a long time. Um, Really, really what what Alan Wake 2 is to me is like a kind of an indication that like stories do not need to be the things that we have decided triple a game stories are, you know, and, and specifically I think what's so exciting about it is how uh, close it at first seems to the last of us or God of war or uncharted or, you know, like any of these other resident evil prestige third resident evil, like prestige third person over the shoulder, photorealistic graphics games. And then just kind of like seeing the level of, of consideration and introspection that that game does, you know, I I've, I have thought a lot. Um, silent Hill two is one of my favorite games of all time. And, um, Whenever I think about Silent Hill 2, which is a game where, like, every single piece of it is, like, adding to the larger whole, I'm like, how is it possible that that we don't have more games like that? Like, is it so impossible to make a game where, like, every piece of its, like, formula feeds back into this, like, holistic thing that the game is saying, and you can kind of think about it for years and still have things to kind of consider with it. And and I think that Alan Wake is that not in a, not in a lore sense, not in a, like, complex backstory sense, but in, like, a the idea of a literary work that is rich with metaphor and analogy and yeah. kind of, like you know thinking about itself as a text and what it means to operate as art and what art means for the people who make it and and what art means for the people who it's about and all of that so like you know it is 
it's it's almost something that exists not quite as a game for me because the things that I find so exciting about Alan Wake 2 is kind of like what it is versus <laughs> how I I mean it's like because I should say it's like I found the combat so frustrating in that game that I like kept wondering if my game was glitched that I was like playing like a broken version of it because I could not imagine that like the experience I was having with fighting enemies was the intended way that you were supposed to fight enemies and do you think um, it was glitched by the way what uh, no I don't I think okay. I think that the combat in the game just sucks like you know and it's, it's I know other people haven't had that experience and it's uh it's baffling to me that I had such a different feeling than everyone else so it's like you know I I don't want to fight for it over Baldur's Gate 3 because, like, I, you know, I think that the what it is to me is very special, but it's, like, it's almost special in a way that feels separate from, like, how I experience a good video game and more of this, in, in a very Alan Wake 2 sense, like, a meta look at, like, what we're all doing here is is what I like about it most on Earth yeah. or with games? What do you mean? Yeah, both. both? Okay. I mean, it's like I'm I am a writer, quote unquote. You know, and it's like that is that is a game about about writing and thinking about writing and thinking about like what writing about things does to you. <laughs> right, and so it's right. you know, it's like uh, I don't know. I'm a sucker for it. Yeah, I don't want it to make it too much like, all right, Jacob, you're on an island with Alan Wake 2. A lot of us uh, like Alan Wake 2 a whole lot. You know, I don't want to make it just a, oh, adore Leo. Leo liked the gameplay. I got a clip I've got got to post somewhere of me doing awesome stuff in the combat. (laughs) I was killing it. (laughs) It's the best. Uh, Uh, Yeah, it's a really, really special game. It's like my number three. Right, I think. I think it was Uh, number two. Yeah, I've seconded Jacob on all the cool story stuff. It is like... And it's cool in a way that's not trying to be a movie. It's like best as yeah. the game that it is. Yeah, just totally. something to chew on for a while. But I think that can kind of also throw people off every once in a while. We're like, what do you mean everything isn't rolled out in a certain way and then tied up in a neat bow at the end? It's like, no, it's just going to be, yeah, a, a chunky work of art for you to stew on for a while. That's what Alan Wake 2 is ultimately. And it's a mm-hmm. work of art that's about appreciating works of art, um, I guess. Yeah, but not not in like... It, it's not simply a like you know what art's really good and right. like we all need to you know like it is it is such a nuanced look at like the damage that art can do to both its creators and subjects you know i think yeah the, mm-hmm. the fact that alan wake himself is like kind of a piece of is oh, like yeah. such an important part of the game and another another way that it relates to Silent Hill too. But it's like it would suck if this game about like like game written by writers about being a writer was like, man, writers are so cool and important. And like <laughs> that's not what the game is about. And like that's that's I feel like another place where it kind of separates from the kind of like Stephen Kinginess is like it's it's not this like masturbatory look at like how cool creating art is it's like you know really much more and much uh more detailed than that it like makes fun of that mindset it, yeah it yeah. actively pokes at that and says isn't that silly let's move on from that and think about other things and pokes fun at that however, as a thing to pursue yeah from the writer's perspective i liked what you said leo is like it, it's 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 not trying to be a movie so often games that we view as avant-garde are just trying to take 
movie tropes and insert them into video games. And while that can work, I'm not going to say like cutscenes that have really good pacing that like movies or something don't hit different. This game works really hard to be like, what can gameplay do with those other types of media? Not just movies, but TV and dancing and choreography and live action, like acting and all these things. And it's like, how do games work with those other types of media? What does games? That's what I thought the first Alan Wake one did and then Alan 2 just took that and ran with it like crazy is where can we cross over these different types of media where's the best place to cross over and where do games thrive and they can do things with interactivity that other types of media can't do and that's what Alan 2 tries to play with and they do it masterfully like I always like as I was playing it I was like is this too much and every time I would question myself that thought like are they being too muddled is it too much are they is it getting too confusing? I was like, no, it's not. I get it. I know what they're trying to do, and they're doing it really well, and they're doing it purposefully. I know they had 10 million meetings to discuss every single plot point of this. It's not like they're just throwing stuff into the nether and hoping it lands. Like They know what they're doing, yeah. and they did a perfect job at it, and it, it hits <laughs> so well. And I know a lot of people don't like the ending. I think the ending is one of my favorite game endings of all time. It's perfect. Whoa. Um, did it's you all perfect. check out? Did you check out the new game plus ending, by the way? I don't like the new plus ending. Oh, wow! Wait, can we spoiler games up the new game plus ending? Because oh, yeah, I don't want to play it. it yet. I don't want to oh, play I, it, but I, I don't want to hear about it. Jacob, is it okay? Uh, sure. Okay, spoilers it's- for Alan Wake 2's new game plus ending. You can check out the time codes if you want to dodge it. Um, Haley, I'll let you, since you seem to be much more passionate about it. I mean, I think what I loved about I'll let chat leave chat before I say this, because, you know, it's you can also I think YouTube it. You do not have to replay this entire game. It's very like not that much extra content. Yeah, it's really just the ending. Alan has a dish, some additional like narrative, like discussion over top of the final cutscene when Scratch comes in and all that. And, you know, Scratch goes into Alan. He I love it. He goes, come home. Cole, come on, come home. It's like my favorite thing ever. And then he, and then he gets shot. Um, I really loved the, the un, people call it unsatisfying, but you know, Saga calls her daughter and then we don't get to hear whether Logan picks up or not. So the question is, is, is this still happening? Are we out of the dark place? Are we ascending? Are we descending? It's a loop. It's a spiral, blah, blah, blah. So in the final version, um, Logan picks up. And she hears Logan, and she talks oh. to Logan. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so wow. I feel some satisfaction is, now. So, so okay, there you go, Sarah. The would never happen in a million years? Cool. Yeah, so <laughs> Logan says, Mom, I just had the worst nightmare. Please come home. And Saga says, don't worry, honey, I'm coming. And Alan, Alan uh, has the, you know, the the bright light where the shot hit him in the head, he comes back and goes, <gasps> and instead of saying lupus is spiral, he says, like, I can't remember. It's not as catch. It's not, like, purposeful and and, and like, fun like that line it's just something control like control 2 coming 2025 <laughs> no i mean it, i mean he does he says something along the lines of like i can understand say? both worlds i now understand there's more than two yeah. worlds there's it's, more than two worlds blah 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 he's essentially saying okay i'm ascending now it we're getting confirmation <laughs> that he and also alice kind of is there and she's like you've done it babe oh babe and then Wait, like, alice is there her like like in, vision. in the live action like layering way she She's doesn't not like also barge the door like bad, Kramer. But it wasn't part of the original ending so i'm not <laughs> i don't i, I don't canon. like it I think it, I really don't like it, actually. I think it takes away from the ending of the, like, some people are like, oh, I just want to hear whether Logans are there or not. I'm like, that's the that's point. Me. We have that's to me. not know, though. No, we have to not, not know. Because then that's how we're learning about this world. And we got the loop as a spiral. It's a spiral 
not a loop kind of thing because we're learning how the dark place works. That's what the whole game was trying to do was teach us how does this world work that we're, we're in. And it shoved iconography at us every five seconds. Like made me feel so stupid. Once they gave me that line, I was like, of course. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, I don't like, disappointing. I don't uh, like they, that. They solved it. Quote, you know, or Kyle, were you going to say something? Oh, hang on real quick. Uh, spoilers over for Alan Wake too. Oh yeah. Spoilers over. Okay. Sealed. Spoilers over. That means spoilers over. Everybody knows the sign language for spoilers <laughs> over. Uh, no, I don't need to say anything about Alan Wake. Um, <laughs> Kyle! <laughs> I mean, look, I, I love Remedy. I love Alan Wake. Alan Wake 2 ended up being quite underwhelming for me. Yeah, that's I, something I, to say. But I don't, I don't know. It just, I, I'm, I'm at guy. that point where I don't want to add, like, this is the, like, hype everything up. I don't, I don't want to, like, come in negative on Alan Wake too really. i mean we, it's when just, we talk- it's just there's there's a lot of stuff i love about that game and there's a lot of stuff that i really just like didn't work for me i said the combat was so bad i thought my game was literally broken <laughs> like, <laughs> you can- like i mean there the way- was points in my game where it didn't load the puzzles in so i had to restart my game in order to see how to solve a puzzle yeah like, all that I had to reinstall. Stupid. uh 70 yeah. of my the, cut the thing that i was gonna say earlier is that you guys were talking about how it is it is not pretentious about writers right and I was going to interject a joke that they certainly are very proud of their uh, history of video games, which is another thing that didn't really click with me, is that they were th- spreading their tendrils into so many of their other games in a way that I was like, hi, uh, I would like to focus on Alan Wake here, please. <laughs> I don't need the f- the Federal Bureau of Control uh, to sort of uh, muddy things up. But um, yeah, no, I do, a good I do game, think- though. It, it is a great number four, I think. I mean, it is valid, though, Kyle. We talked about the start of the debates, you know, like it, disappointment can drag stuff down. It is if it is yeah. your cup of tea and the fact that like you love Alan Wake, you love Remedy and you're disappointed. It by should it be is. my cup of tea. And so it usually right. is my cup of tea. And right. I will eagerly drink that tea for every Remedy game. This has not turned me away from Remedy in any way. This is just one that didn't really click with me, which is like good. Like, they, you know, they, they, that's that's an a good uh, like understanding to have of that developer it's like sure. they're, they're not flawless for me you know I, I like some things aren't going to work and i want them to be able to do that i don't want them to go out of their way to make sure you know they're making these like flawless games that everybody loves like yeah. i'd rather them try something different that doesn't necessarily work for some but does work for others i've got a big oh. cup of crossfire xt for you here kyle if you want to just uh, open your mouth uh. <laughs> <laughs> i played crossfire i i want to say as the biggest i think probably the biggest alan wake booster on this podcast i would be proud to have it at number four i Whoa! i like i you know my favorite story of the year i think like this is a ranking of video games and like i i am totally happy with seeing it at the number four spot yeah um yeah i mean i think it should be three (laughs) okay (laughs) now we're getting there i know i mean leo you mentioned it during the deepest dive um to paraphrase you back to you of just there are sequences in alan wake 2 where it's frustrating to be like why aren't other developers trying like this this is (laughs) this is cool and i wish other developers would try to make cool like this so I don't want to gloss over just how cool some of these sequences are in Alan Wake 2. Um, Fun ride. Effortlessly finished. Effortlessly made it all the way through, which is so rare for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I still... We talked about it in the deepest dive, uh, but, you know, just the weird little moments in that game of, like, 
just the melding between worlds where you're playing as Saga and you start to see Alan's world start to bleed in and it's just like pushing and pulling oh, back and forth. Obviously, the live action integration is bananas cool throughout the entire thing, crawling through a cave and having live action videos on the end of the whole thing. Or I know it's a weird detail that I'm obsessed with, but having the live action Alice projected on the wall and then you can like walk in front of that and having a live action video projected onto your character as you're roaming around in a video game. It's just yeah. awesome. Like the best, by far the best, like interaction with live action in a video game of all time. I know that's a Anytime weird criteria. Anytime a game but... does that now, we're going to be like, it reminds me of Alan Wake <laughs> yes. at the end of time. Like, cause they did it so well, right? Like, like control did it too. Yeah. I remember someone commented in deep. I was like, they did it so well right off the bat. Like control did it first. I was like, I know control did it first. No, the control, the control stuff this is, is so much better. Yeah. This is, this is like very, elevated version of controls implementation of live action yeah. stuff. It's amazing. I, I want to hear Janet's opinion on Alan Wake 2 before we move on, if we could. Yeah, this is another too. game that I have not beaten yet. <laughs> I just didn't finish these the best games of the year. I'm like, ah, it's, it's run out of time. The walls are closing in. Um, yeah, I, I really like this game a lot. I think it's the most interesting game of the year. Yeah. Um, I kind of agree with a lot of the it's not exactly the in terms of being a game like it's not my highest ranked for the year uh, i think because of a lot of the things you guys said it's what's well, my number three so it's pretty high oh but, whoa, yeah, that's high. whoa yeah but yeah i mean it's pretty high it's really good <laughs> it's really, really enjoyable and i i actually like the gameplay generally i definitely see where y'all are coming from especially now picking it up again and being alan it sucks to be alan man he goes <laughs> down with like two hits and i'm like he's Is spongy it- Dude, and then also like it's it's rough because um yeah I was too busy playing Bayonetta exactly um that's that's what was eating up my time um yeah that's a little rough around the edges but I like actually a lot of the more traditional game aspects of this game um I enjoy the roaming around the woods and finding the lunch boxes I like finding the stupid words of power that are just very video game telegraphed with giant neon arrows pointing to it. Word of gun. I, yeah, word of stuff. <laughs> like, thing ever. It is stupid, and I get if people don't like it because it is a little dumb, but I really like the upgrades they provide. I think they maybe, you know, in part ease up some of the mechanical issues that you might end up encountering where I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I really get to lean into my play style with this. Um, and it does the thing that, I always say that I come to horror games kind of for like a cozy vibe, which is funny because it's like they're (laughs) terrifying. But a lot of this game is just like people, especially when you're Saga. Okay, everything's died down. You're just walking around looking at stuff and the stuff's great to look at. I think the world is so thoughtfully designed and intriguing to examine. Um, Every inch of it is like something fun to take in, you know, which I regret saying immediately because I feel like it sounds so bad out of context. Please don't clip this out. Um, But in general, like the environmental design is very cool. Um, but I do think it's a game that has a bit of friction to enjoy, I think, what it has to offer. But yeah, certainly it's like it's it is really special. Um, and it's kind of in a way the opposite of my Marvel Spider-Man gripe where, yeah, sure, there's stuff that's wrong with it. But I think the highs are so high mm-hmm. that I'm like, this kind of ends up evening out for me. You know, I think it's a really special and different experience. Um, and frankly, the only reason I don't think I finished it. And this almost never, this pretty much never happens to me with like review cycles of games, but this game came in so, so late for me right before embargo. And I really wanted to be able to talk about it. I played it so much. I just was exhausted and I really had to stop playing it. So I just haven't really gone back to it in a big way. I also think it, you know, I kind of have to be in a certain mood to sit and spend time because I don't want to lose track. And and just frankly, I haven't 
been willing to will myself to play it, which I'm sure some people will ring as like a ding against the game in a way. And maybe it is. <laughs> I but personally, is. I just feel like it's I don't a know. ding to not want to play a game. That's maybe, maybe that's a ding. That's a ding. I don't have a comment on on whether or not if you want to psychoanalyze why I didn't finish Alan Wake 2, you can. But yeah, that's pretty much my reason for why I haven't seen it. Accepted, higher than I thought accepted. you were going to put it. Though, that is higher me. than I thought. That is yeah. surprising. Um, for me, I really love Alan Wake 2. Um, and again, it's a matter of, hey, the highs are high. Um, but when I keep thinking about it, I always just think of like, yeah, but I just remember flipping through those worlds as Alan and running through those tunnels and like in the subway. I just remember a lot of frustration and I'm very bad at playing games, to be fair, but it was just a lot of like, all right, I'd swap into this world now as Alan. Okay, anything here? Okay, I guess I got to run over here and try this over here. I, I just felt frustrated with just basic navigating the world. Um, and when you add to that, it's a world that's constantly changing. And on top of that, it's a world that you can change between the light yeah. bulb and then swapping. It's just, there's a lot of variability to be to there to change it. It's yes. a little cumbersome, it's, I think. Yeah. But I think it's meaningfully cumbersome, which is more than I can say for usually when a game is cumbersome. Like, I think there's purpose behind it. Yeah. But it does make it a little less enjoyable to play at yep, times. Yep. I think, but no, I think it's, it's still a, really it's interesting a, to look it's at. It's a good friction game. You know, it's yeah. the opposite of what I have to say about Spider-Man 2. Yes. Is yep, like, yep. You know, Spider-Man 2 is fun every 30 seconds. Alan Wake, I would go even minutes without having fun. <laughs> but like, <laughs> no, I appreciated that more. Uh, here's a question for the group. Hitman Freelancer. How, a great number three. How it's much perfect number three? How much weight does a game have if it's somebody's number one game of all time and they said it'll never be dethroned? I don't think in the history of Minmax's two tens have we ever even had somebody say this is my number one game of all time. That has some weight to it. I, I does mean, nobody think that about Baldur's Gate three? Yeah, I feel like a. I, I don't know. That I, that I, I that that but then again, it's like until the next Baldur's Gate three comes out. I guess last time we talked about it yeah. on the podcast, sir, you said you liked too. Elden Ring more than Baldur's Gate. No, I didn't. I'm pretty sure on the podcast you said that. I like Baldur's Gate no more than Elden Ring. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, there it is. <laughs> Why would I say that? That doesn't sound like me. I, I don't know. <laughs> I could have sworn at some point you said that. <laughs> um. Chad has pointed out that uh, this is meaningless, but Larian Studios has talked about Hitman as an influence for their. Oh, okay. So therefore, and that's uh, again, I'm not saying. So basically, Leo should have liked Baldur's Gate Three, or he should have played it more, and maybe that would have been his favorite game of all time. It must. It's going to be very nice for you all to keep seeing games inspired by Baldur's Gate Three, and I don't think (laughs) Edmund Freelancer is going to inspire anyone or anything. But through a roundabout back way, games will be more like it all because of Baldur's Gate Three, and I'm grateful to it. I wonder if anyone at Larian was inspired by Zelda. It probably hasn't come up. We have no way of knowing. Um. Uh, okay, hang on. Just to be clear, for, for this list, I mean, based on Jacob and Haley, I know you said, no, 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 but I'm just curious how we're feeling. Is Alan Wake moving to four? I think Move so. It. Move it there, Ben. Okay. And Jeffem, you seem pleased with that really decision. Yeah, I'm, I was another one who was, who was very mixed on Alan Wake. I'm sure... I've, Everyone remembers from the 12 hours that we talked about it. I, it, it, I am happy. I'm very happy I played it. It was a game that I felt like seeing through to the end. I do find all of them, all of the storytelling stuff interesting. Um, but the, you know, the top, the top, we're talking about the top of the top games um, that I, I've had multiple games that would be the number one game for me in any other year. 
Um, and it it feels like it feels like Alan Wake two at this point has the most ha- has enough criticism to take it down to the yeah, fourth spot, which exactly. is which is still which is yeah, still great. Fourth and spot it, in and the best year of games, right? Ever. Yes, yes, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, as a group, how's everybody feeling about Hitman Freelancer versus Zelda? Personally, I. Hey, whoa, 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 sorry, what was that? Yeah, do you want to take a proper vote here, or yeah, yeah. I mean, group sure. vote? I mean, it's not it's not deciding, but just to get lay of the yeah, land, it's kind of unfair, right? Because like we, we haven't done a, a lot group of time played Freelancer. Yeah. Wait, what was yeah. Haley going to say about Hitman over Zelda, though? Hitman over Zelda. Hitman over Zelda. Okay. I think that's it. Um, okay, yeah. Who here thinks Zelda should be above Hitman Freelancer on this list? Based on not just to be clear, just to be clear, not in a matter of like your personal take. Like I haven't played Hitman Freelancer, but just based on the discussion on the podcast today. So what right. do I think you think we would think? What do you say? think? Like, how, what I, do you, I feel like that's a silly question. You're, no, like, no, you're, you're the thermometer reading the passion in the room for these games. Yeah. I, I, I still like who Zelda, thinks Zelda so. should be above Hitman freelancer. I, I admire the sort of the, the, the innovative uh, tools that it integrated into this world. Um, and that's, yeah, that, that's uh, so Zelda for me. I, I mean, I think, well, what you're asking me is like, which had what had the more impassioned speech? And I think Leo yeah. ate everybody up for every yeah, single game. 100%. I mean, I think if we're basing on speech, like put yeah. him at and number one. Like, I think I already liked the game. I think Leo's opinion and like the take that he threw out was like incredibly well said and also funny. Which Leo, you're so good at like being smart and funny at the same time. But <laughs> if you're asking me, like, did he come with more heat than the Zelda people? Yes. But yeah. if you're asking me, like, which one I think should be higher, it's Zelda. Which of course I my kind of that, that I haven't played Hitman. But Zelda's Zelda That's and Baldur's Gate three are the best games in my opinion ever made of all time. Like those, they're like right up there. And I don't know, you know. Again, if I played Hitman, would that would it be the three of them clustered? Maybe, but I have to just. If I'm going off my opinion, that's my opinion. But if I'm going yeah. off of who made a better argument, I think Leo I, made I a mean, better argument. Janet, I am exactly in the same camp. Yeah, Leo's description of Hitman is like why I love games, which seems insane <laughs> to say over a game that I loved. Yeah. But like, I I really, it's it's hard for me to not imagine being there with you if I had spent the amount of time uh, on Hitman that you have. And like, I have spent that amount of time on Zelda. And like, I, you know, it's, I I think it's brilliant, but like, I, I still, I, I rank your experience over in that way <laughs> i also think kyle's the biggest zelda fan here and he hasn't said much about tears of the kingdom which i don't know if you want to or if oh yeah, i mean 450 and you're like over it like it. i don't know no, i i talked about i mean I, the thing is it's one of those situations where ben said a lot of the things that i i feel strongly about i mean I, like truly ascension and and ultra hand i think are just these like incredible mechanics that like in the same way you guys talk about Baldur's Gate of like, this is changing how I feel about games and what I think like I, I went into a lot of us went into Tears of Kingdom, like really not sure what to expect and to come out on the other side with this tool that just completely changes the way I interact with my favorite thing in video games, which is solving puzzles, place me in a room and have me solve a puzzle is my favorite thing to do in a video game and to do it in such a way that I have never done before. And the way it feels as an extension of link. Like that's the other thing that I just adore is like, uh, that game is so good at making me feel like I'm just always in full control of the action that I'm doing. Right. Even the simple act of like standing on a flying platform 
and controlling that by moving Link, there is so little separation between me and Link in that game. And that's just an element of video games that I adore. You know, like, that's one of the reasons I struggle with Baldur's Gate. I don't want to see dice. I don't want to see menus. I don't want to think about story options. I just want to be in the world. And Tears of the Kingdom does that near flawlessly for me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I also just, and it's like, I guess you could call it bias. I, I think that's probably fair, but, like, I just love being in the world of Hyrule. I love hanging out with those people. I loved, I Alex? loved re-exploring that world and seeing what had happened in the years that I, I haven't been there, you know, like I, I, it was like, it was like going home after you'd spent time in college or something and just seeing like, what has changed in this world? And like, I just, I, I adored it for that. That's reason. such a good comparison. That's totally what it felt like. Yeah. Kelsey. Also, yeah. yeah. Very, I, I a very special this, game for me, for sure. I, I think this actually helps rather than hurts. Like, I don't actually really care about Hyrule all that much. And that didn't matter at all because I thought the tools in that game were so good and so strong that, you know, I don't have that much of a an attachment to any of the characters or any of the places or anything. I've, I've played some Zelda games, um, you know, enough of them. Um, but that, like, I don't even... The things, like, that we've talked about, like, the story and the place and all of that stuff, like... I don't even care about those things because the rest of it is so good. Uh, Kelsey, where is Tears of the Kingdom at on your personal list? I think it's going to be number one. Yeah. Um, It's tough. Like I was, I mean, I was completely obsessed with that game and playing just as many hours as I possibly could um, all day, every day when it came out. And I think that's just, that's the sign of a really, really good game. Like obviously, you know, story payoff and all of that stuff narratively in Xenoblade way bigger deal for me but it just in terms of like I really need to keep spending time in this world and just playing around and I mean I think you described it as a big toy box or a big you know something along it's a big toy like yeah. and it was a really fun toy to play with and I was I was super into it yeah, I think I've got so much respect for Tears of the Kingdom. I did not try to bring it down at all, but I feel so similarly about Hitman of of that feeling of this is my happy place when I boot it up. It's I'm like sure. a level. It's like comforting, meditative almost. Well, I mean, that's what makes this so difficult is is I think it's just like everyone's like I loved playing with my toy so much. This is a life changing <laughs> toy, and we're all basically just saying the same thing, but about like three different games. I know. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I can hang my hat on is right. The only thing I can hang my hat on is like I think the the friction of freelancer necessitating a density of creative choices. I think is a really meaningful difference as far as fun per minute. Okay. And there's one. Sheesh. (laughs) There's one other thing I want to say about it. Well, yeah. Again, I could fill these full eight hours of discussions just me talking about this. But there's um. One objective I had was to knock out guards with concussion explosives. There's a rule in Hitman where if there's two doors between an NPC and any other NPC, they can't hear anything. So a, a door and a room and a door, if they're on opposite sides of that, any noise is fine. And knowing that rule, I found two guards in their little break room in New York, watching TV together, watching soccer, and they're both sitting there enjoying their TV. And I'm like, okay, I have a concussion explosive. It's a rubber duck. (laughs) <laughs> and I realized that the meta best way to play this is to walk up, place the duck on the table. They go, what? Look at the duck, turn around, try to see what's going on. I walk out and close the door and then detonate it. 
and I hear the duck quack and the explosion and then open the door to see their bodies sprawled against the wall, one up on the shelf in the corner. And it's like that classic hitman slapstick comedy becoming the meta best way to play that you're the most rewarded for. Like, though, that's the type of, like, this becoming the best thing it could be Yeah, that it didn't used to be. That always used to be a fun diversion, and now it is the goal. I have a tough time with... Leo, respect the hell out of this passion. No doubt in my mind you love this experience. It's your favorite game of all time. I think it's freaking awesome. I think you have run it so far up this hill. I just have a tough time thinking about it in terms of, like... Zelda is at least three of our number ones. It's going to be in the top three for a lot of us. Janet said it's a better version of the best game ever made. She doesn't know why she's not putting it higher herself. (laughs) Baldur's Gate 3 is why she's not putting it higher. Yeah, Yeah, there we go. It's just like that is that is a lot to overcome with. And again, all due respect, I'm aware of how I'm phrasing this, but ultimately a new way to play old content with Hitman Freelancer. I think that's a tough thing to conquer Zelda with. Yeah, it's, um, you know, that's, I that. I think uh, I wondered going into this, do these people have a Hitman freelancer in their life? Do they love something like I love this? <laughs> a, a game. Have I ever felt love? Yeah. I don't know. I'm starting to question it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and I feel like there are some people here whose Baldur's Gate 3 is Hitman freelancer to them, but I don't really feel that Tears of the Kingdom is anyone's Hitman freelancer. Mm. Ooh. That's true. Look, I mean, there, what? There's no doubt that you Not love wrong. this game more than anybody loves any of these games. I, I have no doubt. It's a measurement of passion. It no. is. It is. But it's a lot of passion. He feel against... that way about Baldur's Gate, but he does feel that way about Tears of the Kingdom. And I kind of, in a weird way, and am inclined to agree. That's why, like Ben, when you asked before, like which one's more passionate? I feel like I'm getting more passion from Hit, Hit Leo Hitman, who is one person now, than Tears of Kingdom. And I love Tears of the Kingdom, but also I'm not gonna. I'm personally not going to run it the way I ran Baldur's Gate 3, which is also why Baldur's Gate 3 is higher for me. Um, Tears of the Kingdom is my number two. I love the hell out of that game, but I don't love it as much as Leo loves Hitman. So Yeah. I also if love you, Hitman, if, if that helps. If yes. Yeah. yeah, I don't yep, know. Bro. Like, did, You know, but... So it's like, I don't know, if you're asking me, does Leo love it more? Yes, then, it, okay, put it at number two, leave it there. If you're asking me what I think should be there, it'd be Tears of the Kingdom. So which question do you want to ask us? I'd love to hear from some other folks who haven't weighed in on this... Uh... I think we're all in agreement. Baldur's Gate three number one. Is there any debate there? I'm happy with that. Yeah, I mean, you guys. That would yeah, make me it, so it was, happy. It, my my, uh, it's funny. I started playing it, and my wife was like, "Why are you playing it? Like, this is not. Oh. You're not going to like this, right?" And like with that acknowledgement, like me knowing that's just not going to be my game. Like you guys absolutely sold me on like why this is so important to you guys, and I and I and I am happy. With, I'd be very happy with that as a number one, even though it's not my number one. But how's everybody else who hasn't weighed in yet feeling on number two versus number three, Zelda versus Hitman? I really want to say, just to be crystal clear, because it is a new way to play old content, it is still more of a new Hitman game than Hitman 3 was. It feels mm-hmm. so completely different. All the it, targets are new. So many new mechanics on top of it. It's that, I truly feel it feels like a newer Hitman experience than Hitman 2 Not Wars. to mention, if you don't have all the levels and you just have Hitman 3, it lets you play all the levels via Hitman Freelancer. It like gives you those levels. So it's almost kind of like you're getting all of those levels just, just by playing Freelancer. Even the DLC oh. ones. Also, if you wanted to be snarky, you could say that Tears of the Kingdom is also a new way to play old content. <laughs> well, but that, no, that, the, same the puzzles are, are completely new, though. 
as they sound like they are in Hitman Freelance. Yeah, Resident Evil 4 is a new way to play old content. Turns out a lot of these games are based on other things. I, I feel like we can we can kill that argument as being very reductive, and I, I think it it comes down to the question of an individual's passion versus how many people have it as number one versus how passionate are they about that number one, and that's a that's weird. That's a that's a that's weird weird question um, <laughs> I, I mean like, like a it's, it's a question I don't have an answer it, I I also don't have an answer to yeah it feels like um, a good time to say no matter which way we go on this like 50% of the people are going to disagree with how we yeah. get it I yeah. this feels extremely coin flippy to me like mm-hmm. I, I don't see one answer that's like objectively the correct one uh, yeah I, I'm honestly I'm a, I'm a coin hovering in the air flipping <laughs> at this moment myself where it's just, I, I want mean, I respect the hell out of their passion. And then I just keep coming back to it's tears of the kingdom. Like so many of us love this game. It's, it's an avalanche. Um, but there's one blazing hot car driving through the avalanche. This metaphor analogy doesn't make sense, but <laughs> fast and furious. Can we flip the conversation and look at it in terms of like how angry people would be if, in the number three spot? No one's going to be outraged about yeah. any of this. Yeah. It's just a matter I of, I want to have I the suppose. right read yeah. on passions for the group. And yes, you're right. That is that is the debate. Is collective can, passions can we, can versus somebody's just, blazing hot passion. I, I know Janet kind of sidebarred this because it is a weird thing, but can we just vote? Can we just be like, who wants to see Hitman at I number mean, two? To be fair, we already did, and... I, I'm waffling. Kyle was the only person who said that he wanted to see Zelda at number two. I, I initially did as well. But okay. also, again, it just depends on what question you're asking. I think well, we should see, that's, out, I feel like we didn't actually have... Okay. I think the we vote did not get counted. I think we should just figure out what lane is it going to be in. Are we going on what you how you want it ordered no like yourself no or, no so we're going on passion then yes well then it's hitman then what are we talking about i but don't know i guess if people feel more about zelda they can it's what do you, what it, do you but. want the min max list to be as opposed to janet's list yeah there, we know we're making two different lists my Ooh. list is alan wake at number one but i'm happy that alan wake is number four on the min max list like yeah and, and, and freelancer's my number nine, but I just would love to see <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Leo, Don't joke during this moment. <laughs> no, I mean, if we're it, trying it, to save you. If it's MinMax's list, I think Zelda is so high at the top of so many people's list, it's silly not to not to put his number two. Well, and that's also, why I think Leo, we should vote on it, because I disagree. Leo okay. has been known for Hitman. Hitman is like the one thing that we know Leo for. I don't like, know anything else about him. I wrote things. a book about the legend of Zelda. <laughs> yeah, but I know too many Unofficial. things about you. Like, <laughs> yeah, you other you aspects have. to your personality. You're always bringing also. up this other stuff, you know? That's so Kids, fair, Kids, food. <laughs> I mean, Leo Movies. has... You're all over the place, Kyle. Pick a lane. I'm weak. That's so fair to say. Leo okay, has so almost we- put as much time into Hitman as Kelsey has for the Xenoblade series. Um, so that's why I think Xenoblade Chronicles series DLC Leo? should be get up there. Um, uh, the whole trilogy over five hundred. Ah, damn it! That's about. I'm probably near five hundred with the Xenoblade series. So. New contender. So we're peers. Uh, probably a million across thirty <laughs> Zelda games. Okay, Jacob, rally, rally the vote. Phrase the vote. Pitch it. We do the vote. Yeah, just like, hey, do you, who wants to see 
Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom as number two on MinMax's top ten. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, what are we at? That's four? That's four. four. Yeah. Four versus, what's the other number? Five, I think. Five. Five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Are we, are we keeping the list as is? Is this happening, ladies and gentlemen? Speak now, forever hold your P's and Q's. I really, it really is kind of important to me for Hitman to be number two above Zelda because Zelda is, I t- again, cool, cool ass game. Yeah. And I feel like it's cool because it's going in the direction of Hitman. And Hitman <laughs> was Hitman and then chose to leap a million years past Hitman this year. And so, so it feels like mm. the, the comparison of the two, I, I might really hang my hat on that. So the I, Zelda I, roguelike will be awesome. I'm kind of happy with... I know it's... I, I, it, we always try to avoid putting these lists to a vote, right? Like, that's not really what these lists are, ultimately. Mm-hmm. But, like, we're in such a position now with this insane year of amazing releases that, like, frankly, I, I, I'm happy with it coming to a vote and, like, taking those results, yeah. and, honestly. And to be clear, for yeah. the audio listeners, it was me, Kyle, Kelsey, and Jeff um, that said uh, Leo should... Uh, Shut the f*** up. The vote also makes it clear how, you know, I felt is like, I feel very strongly yeah. about Zelda and I raised yeah. my hand to make that clear. And, uh, yeah. you know, Leo also, deserves record, a win every a couple of years, face. people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. It's, it's, it's not, should be, should not be part of the conversation. It does the feel like the last time we'll be able to celebrate it. Months. Like, let's do this for Leo. <laughs> Thank you. Sarah, are you happy with these two tens? <laughs> I'm very happy. Is everybody happy with these two tens? <laughs> I'm happy uh, with yeah. one through and then four through 20. <laughs> <laughs> Here no, we I'm go, everybody. From the bottom up, we have Super Mario Brothers Wonder, the making of Karataka. It's just so funny to go from like these slam dunkiest slam dunks to back down to like oh what is this down here oh, sorry Super Mario Brothers Wonder with all due respect The Making of Karataka, Shadow Gambit The Cursed Crew, Cities Skylines 2, Octopath Traveler 2 Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Future Redeemed Venba, Chance of Sinar, Chia, Lies of P, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Dave the Diver, Sea of Stars, Hi-Fi Rush, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Alan Wake 2, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Hitman, Freelancer. Is there a colon in there, Leo? How do we... Oh, I don't know. Okay. And Baldur's Gate 3 is the game of the year for MinMax. 2023, everybody. God, that, that was a fun one. That was a fun year, and my God, that was that was a good debate. Uh, love it. Uh, thank you so much, obviously, to everybody who has watched or listened, everybody that's made it this far. Unbelievable. Uh, congratulations to you all for making it to the end of this long and, and lonely road. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed it, and obviously, thank you for allowing an outlet like MinMax to exist by supporting us directly on Patreon, patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. Again, you jump in at that $2 tier. It's all we're asking. Find the tier that's right for you. Help support us directly because these discussions literally can only happen because people like you click through that URL for patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. And special shout out to everybody at the $10 tier, the backstage pass tier, because you're about to enter the pissy zone, everybody, where we unpack how we really feel about everything that's happened here. But hey, 
Janet, Jacob, Jeffem, Kelsey, Kyle, Haley, Sarah, yep. Leo. Uh, thank you so much for playing so many games and unloading all your thoughts in these discussions. Uh, it's super fun, and uh, I know the community enjoys it because I enjoy listening to these, even though I'm sitting in on it and listening to so many other outlets do the same thing. It's a blast. So thanks so much, everybody. Greatly appreciate your patience for these long recordings. All right, that's it. Any wise words before we send this sucker off? Bring on the piss. <laughs> all right. Again, $10 supporter. You can hear us unpack all this stuff in a more candid way. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.